Sigmar is a false god. Where was Sigmar when darkness fell over all of creation? Where was Sigmar when reality burst and the demon legions cavorted atop the ruins of nations? When the gates to Azir were sealed, it was not the craven god-king who offered salvation to those left behind. Only through pledging their souls to chaos did the inhabitants of the mortal realm survive that age of terror. From the Flamescar Plateau in Akshi to the haunted banelands of Shyish, the slaves to darkness dominate the lands. Through acts of ritual carnage do these men and women seek to ascend the path of glory. At the end of this treacherous road of death and madness lie rewards beyond imagining for those mighty enough to claim them. As the aftershocks of Nagash's necroquake ripple across reality, the slaves to darkness muster for war with the conviction unseen for centuries. Armored warriors and barbarous tribesmen crash into melee in the thousands. The ground shudders in protest under the charge of fearsome knights and brutish chariots. Twisted monsters lurch from darkened caves, fetid breath steaming in the air as they seek fresh prey. Leading these damned hosts are the champions of chaos. Be they mighty warrior, wicked sorcerer, or darkling demon lord, their infernal might and dark blessings render them a match for any of Sigmar's celestial puppets or Nagash's deathless revenants. Above them stands the greatest champion of all, Archeon, the ever-chosen, exalted grand marshal of the apocalypse. By his will, shall the souls of all who oppose the ruinous powers be dragged screaming before the thrones of the gods. The mortal realms belong to chaos. So it was, so it shall always be. Welcome to the garage, you tools, for the next three hours or something like that. Uh, we're going to do the best we can to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a couple of dad jokes along the way. Bringing you obsession, subjugation, and slavery. Well, that sounds pretty interesting, don't it? <laughs> Maybe. I'm Dave Whitek, and uh, I am here today with Lindsay, the albino Canadian hockey puck. Um, we're here just to, she's here just to welcome you guys to the show. Uh, we're actually going to have a guest host on with us talking about slaves to darkness today and all the excitement that goes with being a slave to darkness and working with or for or whatever with Archeon. Um, pretty, uh, pretty gross stuff, actually pretty, uh, crazy stuff. I learned a lot about the mortal realms and about chaos's hold over it doing this book and i am excited to share that with you in just a few minutes once we bring on our guest host but first i need to thank the sponsors of garage hammer our sponsors who uh you know think enough of this show to want to be a part of it um those sponsors, as you guys know, are Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Six Squared Studios for all your basing and MDF needs, and now they're doing 3D printing. Um, if you have uh, 3D printing you need done, you can get contact Six Squared Studios. 
uh, get them the files and um, they can do stuff like that for you. They've also partnered up with several um, artists to print 3D print their work uh, for you. Um, pretty cool stuff going on at Six Squared Studios. And of course, Grognard Games, because there's always something happening at Grognards. Bell is working fine today. Um, Grognards is open, and you can reserve table time there, actually. It's limited space, limited time, but um, we are at that particular phase of the lockdown where they can actually start having people in there gaming. Uh, Not to mention that they sell just about everything gaming that you could want, so check them out, Grognards Games in Roselle, Illinois. Also, I'd like to thank the Patreon sponsors, that 1% who make just about everything we do on this show possible. Um, those, uh, especially the associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Big Jake, uh, and our executive producers, Colin Miller and Alex Graham. Thank you. And to them, to the rest, also to the rest of our patrons, um, past, present, and future. Uh, thank you to all of you who make that part of the 1% and think that this show is actually worth your uh, hard-earned money. Now, before I go to a break and then come back and introduce our guest host and everything that's going on, um, I'd like to remind you all that we have voicemail. That's right, voicemail. And you can call the voicemail line and leave a message and possibly be on the show. Uh, all you got to do is dial 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Most international callers dial 00 and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Um, and you can leave a voicemail uh, like this one uh, from Brandon from Columbia, uh, who has called several times before. You'll remember him because he's in the Pork Chop Express. So here we go, Brandon from Columbia. Hold on. What's up? It's uh, Brandon from Columbia, and I'm in the Pork Chop Express talking to those tools in the garage, except I guess it's just one tool. So are you, Dave, are you a, a mono-tool? Are you a multi-tool? Are you a unitool? Like, what kind of tool are you? Anyway, I'm excited to hear Alex go, but um, I definitely appreciate the continued enthusiasm for the hobby and... Um, I liked the last episode with Rotor. Of course, you know, he's hilarious, and I'm sure that we all need to inflate his ego even more by saying stuff like that. Um, but I um, uh, just want to say uh, thanks again. Thanks for keeping up the content. Um, and I'm hoping that if we can get back to some normal Warhammer hobby stuff, that we might be able to get to a convention, and I might be able to actually meet you, which would be awesome. So, uh, fingers crossed for that. I hope you guys are staying safe and have a good time. Bye. Okay, and so by meet you, I'm assuming he meant Rotor because Rotor is actually the far more interesting person to hang out with and talk to than I am. Uh, but thank you, Brandon, for calling. Thank you for listening. Thank you for saying all these kind things. And uh, that's voicemail. You, too, could be like Brandon. You could be on the show, leaving a message, talking to me right there. Um, what kind of tool am I? I'm, dude, I am the tool. I am, I am the tool. In fact, uh, I'm probably a hammer. 
is my guess, uh, which I was often told growing up is the Polish tool, me being Polish, um, that works, being the Polish tool, the hammer, it kind of works for everything. If you can't finesse it out with the claw, you just smash it until it works the right way. That works for me. But yeah, dude, being, uh, you know, hey, 10 and a half years, uh, the one consist. I'll tell you what, I'm the consistent tool. How's that? Um, that's what I do. I'm here doing this twice a month, every month. Over a decade. Decade of service. That's what I'm doing. <sighs> yeah, I got nothing. All right. So listen, um, I'm going to take a break. And then I'm going to come back. And I'm going to introduce our guest. And we are going to talk Slaves to Darkness for quite a bit. Because there's a lot of stuff there. And I am pretty certain that it's going to take us a good few hours to get through it all. Because we are doing lore and war today in our uh, wonderful, fantastic... Um, garage hammer style um so hope you enjoy it and we'll be back in just a moment Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back. Yes, folks, we're back. And now uh, it's not just me and Lindsay. As promised, I have a co-host that you can hear, not just the Canadian albino hockey puck. I am here with none other than Patreon patron Big Jake. Big Jake, how's it going? Big Jake, <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you, Dave? I am fantastic as usual. And I, first of all, first, let me say thank you for volunteering to jump in and go from patron to to guest host um not a lot of people are comfortable making that jump um but uh not only are you a slaves to darkness player which you know helps with the topic um but uh you were willing to to give this a shot to get on this end of the uh of the show go from listener to uh to to guest host so i i really appreciate it Oh. Well, thank, thanks for having me, Dave. I, you know, I've been listening to Garage Hammer for a long time, and and really enjoy the way that you you present the material and the way that you you just love what it is that you're doing. So <laughs> that I you know, do. It's, it's really <laughs> yeah. So it's really great <laughs> to be a part of that. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So listen. Um, other than I mean, the listeners know you as Big Jake, the Patreon patron, who's on the you know one of the producers of the show but um 
how long tell them tell you know let them know uh how long have you been playing warhammer and have you played stuff other than slaves to darkness and why is slaves to darkness your thing right now so yeah so uh, i i kind of got started with uh playing age of sigmar very shortly after age of sigmar came out i was already playing 40k uh at that point and I had a bunch of army buddies at the time who jumped into Age of Sigmar as soon as it was released and kind of dragged me into it. And uh-huh. they talked me into playing Death. Aha, uh-huh. uh, good call. Because no, no, nobody else played Death at the time. So uh, I didn't I didn't tread lightly. I, I immediately started with uh, Nagash and a whole, you know, a whole slew of, of Death models <laughs> and just went for the whole Grand Alliance. And... Uh, you know, after a while of, of playing Death, I kind of wanted to dip my toe into something new. And uh, not not that there's anything wrong with playing, uh, you know, Death Armies. I still think that they're amazing. But uh, I had some buddies uh, who were getting into a, a Path to Glory campaign. Okay. And I thought that the perfect army to, to dip my toe into for a Path to Glory campaign and kind of start fresh would be... Uh, chaos slaves to darkness, you know, chaos mortals, and since you know, they literally part with, of their whole lore is the path to glory to become a demon prince. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that 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 really just spoke to the the way that that campaign system is is you know to to play a you know a, a chaos champion or lord and try to elevate them to a demon prince. You know, throughout the campaign, I thought. What nothing could be cooler than trying to, you know, get your guy to either hulk up or or turn into a spawn if you you roll the dice really poorly. <laughs> uh, and so I, I went with that and just dipped my toe. Uh, just bought enough models to really get me going in the Path to Glory campaign. And and you know how it go, you can't you can't ever really just dip your toe, and you know. You just end up falling in, you know. <laughs> you, you can dip first. your toe, you know, because you get that. Oh, you know, we, I could try this maybe at a couple of thousand point games. Now, let me ask you a question before we go any farther. You were not playing Warhammer Fantasy. Am I correct? I, I've never been a fantasy player. I, I, okay. I really got into the fantasy stuff too late. But, to, so it not, was, that, not that I don't love the old world. I actually am playing a Warhammer Fantasy role play uh, campaign with some friends of mine and we love the old world, but I just, I, I, but you were a 40 K player. How long have you been playing 40 K? Like when did you start playing 40 K? Oh, since, since I was a teenager and I, you know, so like had some 10 years ago, friends who got me into it, uh, a little bit, a little bit longer (laughs) than that. But thanks. Yeah. Hey, Um, hey, look, I'm an old man. (laughs) I've, I've officially become an old man of Warhammer. Once I, yeah. Let, let go that my I turned 49 in three weeks. Everyone's like, oh, you're yeah. just old. I'm like, I know it. Mm-hmm. So hey, There's nothing wrong with being old because, you know, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm getting my kids into this stuff. I've got uh, two nephews that within the, you know, since Christmas, I've gotten them into Age of Sigmar. They've they've jumped into uh, a Caradron army and a, a, a Skaven army, and they're, they're they're having a ton of fun. With with that, you know, just painting for the first time and and putting their armies together. So, um, 
so far they've they've played a few games and they're loving it. So yeah, you get to you know be that that dad or uncle that you know. Oh yeah, no, I I get that. Brings kids along onto this wayward path of of playing Warhammer. I get that. Uh, the kids love it. My wife still shakes her head mm-hmm. that I'm a 50 year old man playing with uh, you know toy soldiers, but you know she knew that when she married me. So what are you gonna do, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you were playing 40k. Uh, what did you mm-hmm. play in 40k? May I ask? Uh, so for 40k, I've got uh, uh, an Ultramarines army. Very good. Very good. I've, I've got uh, a Dark Eldar army or Drukari now, I guess. Right. Uh, uh, word bearers because I, I had to go complete opposite from from the Ultramarines. Yes. Okay. And then, and then that's about it, really, for for forty k. That's plenty. Three armies is mm-hmm. plenty. Yeah. And so then you get start playing Age of Sigmar. You're playing Death, and then you start to pick up. So, um, what is it that you really? What is it about Slaves to Darkness that kept you with them? That you really like about them? Uh, well, yeah. What really kind of got me with Slaves to Darkness is you know when this when this book came out, the new Battle Tome. Um, you know, this, this army really started to appeal to me and, and, and I started buying into it a little bit more, getting, picking up more models and growing my army because it's, it's a good, it's a good book. It really put Slaves to Darkness in a good place. It's not by any means the, the best army in the game, but for me, it's the, the most fun arm army for me to play. I, you, you, there's different ways of, of playing, you know, you have, you know, allegiances that, that do different things that have, you know, basically come in, you know, turn into to sub factions more or less. But you can play this army any way that you want. You're not really locked in into in to one way of playing them. You know, you can't play them, you know, to where they shoot the other guys off the board, but that's about the only thing that they, they don't do pretty well. So, yeah. Uh, so cowardly not to not to draw his blood and have it splatter all over yourself when you're fighting. So yeah, I get that. yeah, and then that, that's another part of the army that I really liked is is you know it's the first time I was able to you know put an army on the table and and have some some decent uh, you know cav units that could you know smash into the other army and actually do some damage. You know they weren't you know they weren't sacrificial. Cavalry units at, at you know from what I was used to at death basically unless oh, you're yeah. playing blood Ni- blood knights which I don't know a lot of people who do play blood knights so I love them um, I actually got them as a gift oh, I yeah. got I got a box of five they were fine cast not the medals at that point mm-hmm. um I, and I and and I and I love them but no yeah you can't play a whole army with them it's just it's not it's not it's not effective. Not for, not for with me. my wallet. No. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Yeah, you got. Yeah, I don't get it. I never got it. It's like why, why, why this particular box so darned expensive? I know. I'm not going to complain though. But we got so much new cool stuff coming out. Who knows? Maybe they'll redo yeah. them. Of course, I'm still waiting for and, zombies. And so what am I talking about? <laughs> they'll come out with new zombies. I hope so. You know, just wait. Yeah, it'll be soon. Maybe it will be. You know. Uh, underworlds that that gets the zombies before, you know, the main game. But we'll see. That or the new Warhammer yeah. Quest, because 
Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's hope third time's a charm because the first two, oh. not so sweet. But if it's anything like, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's guy? I keep blanking on the name of the 40K version. It's oh, not, so Blackstone Fortress? Yes. Because if, oh, yeah. if, if the new Warhammer Quest plays like Blackstone Fortress, I will be playing the heck out of that because Blackstone Fortress is fantastic. It, so. it, I've had so much fun playing that, and it's it's just an easy. You can talk your friends into you're playing a board game because you essentially are, but you know that's that's a good way to kind of a- introduce them to to a Warhammer game. You know, the AI for but the it's... opponent is so cool in that game, so much better than the AI mm-hmm. for uh, for Warhammer Quest. It's just I, I get so excited when I keep hearing about what's coming out for that. So. But we're here to talk about Slaves to Darkness. Now, I'm going to give a little bit of my spiel here, and then uh, we can dive right into the book. Um, okay, now, first things first, the definite theme that I see, at least in this book, is you've got power, conquest, obsession, and not just slavery, but servitude. Um, and and I, I definitely want to talk about that a little in the beginning, because... You know, when the Age of Sigmar was rolled out, you got a lot of stuff about chaos, especially corn, um, with Corgus Cool and and those guys, and you know them serving corn, and you got a definite feeling like almost everybody who was in in the service of chaos was forced into it. And mm-hmm. th- this book gives you a very different. Uh, in fact, there was one of the. I, and I, I say this every time we do a chaos book. It's like I just kind of expect it to be one thing, and it, there's more depth to it than I expect there to be as I'm as I'm reading it. You know, like you kind of expect corn to be like, "Yes, blood for the blood god, I get it," and then it's like, "Oh wait, there's actually some some depth to it here," and there was here too. Um, and I love that as I'm reading this. Okay, you've got Sigmar retreats into Azir. He locks it up against basically everything, right? Chaos runs mm-hmm. rampant in the mortal realms. The forces of chaos are... They slaughter or absorb into their ranks everything that they find in the realms, basically. Um, so it's really easy to think of the mortal realms. Now you read, and you know you, you had the Realm Gate Wars, but then the Realm Gate Wars ended, and it moved on to the Soul Wars, and now we're moving into the, the, the Broken Realms. Uh, it's easy to feel like the mortal realms have been freed. By Sigmar, because when you play the game, you don't you don't see any one faction being under super control. Everyone's got their own place, their own lands, their own fights, their own enemies, and it's not like chaos is is a constant worry in every book from every land. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so so th- this kind of gives you the other side to that coin. In, in this book, you know, for example, there, there's a map, and it shows you. Uh, the realm of Akshi, and there's you know a few of 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 the, the the cities you know that that are being protected by by the the stormcast that that are you know kind of dotted on the map, and everything is just surrounded by different chaos hordes and factions, and you just see how you know there's just hordes and hordes of these guys just all through the land, and and especially as you get kind of further from the center of 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 the realm you know it it just gets 
you know, more and more concentrated of, you know, you know, more of these, these, uh, chaos war bands that just yeah, and, are, and, are and everywhere. The, the, and it's, I just, this book, one thing that I just kept saying is I, I guess I just keep, you think about how vast the moral realms are, how mm-hmm. we like, you know, the eight moral realms, we've only explored a tiny, I mean, you know, single digit percentage of these realms, you know, um, and you don't any think of any one faction being an overpowering force, especially, like I said, when we play the game. You play lots of different armies against different people. You read the stories. Everyone's in their play. You know, they're fighting this guy, that guy, the other guy. But you don't see anything as sort of really having any control. It's just so vast and everyone's got their spots. But one of the things that this sort of hammers home is, okay, you have the forces of chaos. And they are vast and they are various because you have the four chaos gods. But they are mm-hmm. generally all... On the same side, and I'm saying, that, or they have. Uh, I mean, no, okay, I don't mean. Well, no, they fight each other. Don't get me wrong, and I know yeah. I'm saying this poorly, but they all, they have the same general agenda. Their grand mm-hmm. alliance, chaos, is working towards remaking the whole of the mortal realms in the image of the realms of chaos. You know what I'm saying? None of mm-hmm. the other the, the the alliance of order is not trying to do that. It's just trying to let everybody live their own way. Destruction. They're always carving out their own place, just living their own way. They're not trying to turn everything into a realm of destruction. I mean, the orcs would smash everything, given time and the ability, but they're not going to stick around afterwards and make sure that it stays. They'll just come back later and smash it again. You know what I'm saying? It's like the 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 the, the closest thing to it is Nagash, and because he basically. Is he is the Grand Alliance of Death, which is why I love watching him against Archaon. Um, and it's similarly focused, but even Nagash's armies, they don't control nearly the amount of the realms that Chaos does. And especially when you see you've got you've got a you know you've got a Slanesh book coming out, you've got a Zinch book out, you got a Nurgle book, you got a Corn book, you got a Mortals book, and it seems like all but. Chaos is still moving towards we are going to conquer everything and turn it all into chaos. And they're the one faction that is that unified of purpose. Now, they 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 don't take over because they're constantly stabbing each other in the back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? But if they weren't, it, gosh, seriously, you read this and you're like, man, if they weren't stabbing each other in the back all the time, they would totally trounce everything. Uh, they they probably would, but I don't think that that would you know if you think narratively, I don't think that would ever stop because you know if if you read about this this path to glory that that the you know that the, the chaos is is built around, you have to realize that that the majority of of, of these guys that would be in a, a typical warment are probably cultists, you know, lower level guys, right. and they really have to to. To, to do a lot they really have to prove themselves if they even want to to dream of of ascending to to the level of of a warrior or knight or right you know, work, work work their way up so of course they'd be stabbing each other in the back just you know to try to to get a leg up on on everybody else and and, and you know they i think everybody is you know in those war bands that, that's all they can think of is what do they need to do to to appease you know the gods, so that they can ascend to the next level and not just be squashed. And you know what's funny about that? Because I was thinking the same thing. And what cracks me up about that is the, what you just described is the Skaven. 
Except that's the one. That's the one. It is though, and that's the one chaos faction that every other faction of chaos looks down their nose at. They all look down at Skaven as these, you know, backstabbing, backbiting, total weak. And but then you look and say, but, but all the lower guys on this have to do the same thing. And even yeah. when you get to the higher levels, I mean, if you remember from the Realm Gate Wars. I mean, once they started really conquering the lands, and one of the things, I mean, they almost succeeded in conquering the realms, it sounded like, uh, when they started running out of people to kill, especially Corn. It's like, Corn didn't care. He wanted skulls. So they'd go kill Nurgle people, and they'd go kill Slanesh people, and sometimes they'd kill other Corn people because Corn's like, hey, if you can't defend yourself enough to live, what do I care about you? Like, they are constantly killing themselves. It is the one saving grace towards... The for every other faction in this game is that these yeah. guys are so intent on killing everyone else, including their other opponents, that even though they are ostensibly working towards the same goal, you know, and they're all on the same side, and I'm putting that in air quotes that nobody can see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're, I mean, they're. I mean, and and then the craziest part is you read all this and they've taken all this over. And the stuff that just blew my mind as I'm reading through here is they've been now Azir opened its gates centuries, possibly millennia ago. But I mean, you don't know how many you mean, we know at least centuries have passed, you know, uh, through all this fighting. And according to this book, the forces of order have only taken back about 10 percent of what chaos conquered. After all that time, it's like, wow, how, I mean, it really puts in this, the thing I like about this book is it puts into perspective how desperate the situation actually is and how much chaos really does have a foothold. I mean, like I said, when you read the Realm Gate Wars, they freed up big parts of, of the realm of life from Nurgle. And, of course, Sigmar's guys came down and started, you know, kicking face and, and setting up, you know, setting up uh, cities and stuff. But those are literally the islands in the storm. Mm-hmm. And that's just it, crazy. That's, that's, that's what makes it so great. You know, it's, you know, uh, you know, Azir is the only foothold that they really have. It's it's the only realm that, that, that chaos, you know, is, isn't just running rampant in, you know, that's, that, yeah. that is their saving grace. The, and- the, and it's just the, the stormcast. If if they didn't have that to to fall back on, then they would be lost. So it's crazy. It really is because you hear. I mean, all, I mean, you know, I read every one of these books that come out. These battle tomes, and, and that's in fact one of the things that's gonna twenty twenty one is the year of me just racing through battle tomes and then just screaming about them on the air. That's I I know we've got two new ones coming out. In fact, I am hoping, because they just said the pre-order for Slanesh goes up on the 13th, and I am hoping that the next episode at the end of the month is the Slanesh book, because I'm just, I'm just, I realized waiting and trying to figure out where the meta's going and realize, and figuring out the FAQ, dude, I don't understand half of that stuff anyway. Everybody knows I don't know how to play this game. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Nobody knows what the meta is right now, David. There, there well, is that's no true. Meta. Well, there <laughs> isn't some other places, I guess. there to be a meta. Well, yeah. Yeah. But um, oh, I just, I mean, I can't, I love reading these books. And this, oh, I'm not going to start a chaos army. I'm not going to start a chaos army. I, I, I really want to start a chaos army. 
I really I was yeah. at I was at Grognard's this weekend picking up Direchasm so that I could get the elves um or not, yeah from it for Harrison's army and uh, I got really close to buying an Archeon model. Ooh. I got really okay. like I picked it up and I was holding it and I honestly the only thing that stopped me was my daughter was with me because we stopped there on the way to go see uh, Fellowship of the Ring and IMAX on 4K. And she saw the price tag on our can. And she said, you're going to pay how much for that one model? And yeah, I said, he's oh, a big boy. He is. <laughs> and I was just like, and I kind of looked, and she looked at me, and I, and I hate to admit this, but um, I was a little embarrassed as my 18-year-old daughter was looking at me going, you're going to spend how much on, a, on, a, on one plastic model? to play with and she's like are you she's like what, what army is this for she goes this isn't for the elves i'm like no she's like is this for your death army i'm like no this is chaos she's like what's the chaos army that you have and i'm like oh i i, I so she's like so you're buying something for an army this model for an army but, you don't have i'm like but he's such a good start and she's i'm like you know what maybe i'll let i should finish painting the stuff she's like but, didn't you but just, then he is the army dave i know he is Oh, is the army. That model is you know, so you gorgeous. Just get, you just get him and a, a couple of units of Varengard, and you're just, oh, you're going to town. Exactly, right? That's all I need. Yeah. I need nine Varengard. Uh, uh, I need Archeon, and I need a, and I need one, um, I need one wizard, and I think that's two thousand points or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just, it, that's the biggest problem with me is I read these books and I want to start these armies. In fact, I started writing lists for armies that I wanted to put together actually for this um, because there's so many cool ones and we're going to get to those. Let's start talking more about this book though. Let's jump in. Um, yeah. Now, uh, you know, like I said, every little thing is not necessarily going to get covered, but as I hit some of this, some of the things that stood out to me right here, uh, uh, starting out in the hordes of chaos, the first couple pages, um, mm-hmm. Got this highlighted and big exclamation point next to it. The slaves to darkness are the most widespread human inhabitants of the mortal realms, particularly in more primal realms such as Akshi and Gur. The dead certainly outnumber them, as do the Skaven, the Grotz, and the Beasts of Chaos. So they're not the most numerous army, but they are the most numerous of humans. N- and none of those who outnumber them have conquered so vigorously as humanity. In many cases, these mortals assemble in the bar. It's like, wait, what? It is they, not the children of Sigmar, who typify the masses of humanity found in the mortal realms. If you want to go with, you know, how many humans there are, there are more humans that are chaos than there are good, you know, once again, air quoting, good or uh, order-focused humans. Humanity is mostly chaos cultists and followers of chaos and that can't all be that can't all be okay remember in the beginning they had some of the short stories and the stories about the guys chaos and it was like you know Corgus Cole came in and conquered and the ones who fought bravely were brought into the cult and then they were like sort of sitting there and trying not to cry because they didn't want to die and they were sitting there and they were like had to eat the meat of the people that that, that, that were in their tribe and once you start Mm -hmm. eating the blood you get hooked on it and it was like it so much of the early Age of Sigmar stuff, it felt like if you were going to be a part of chaos, uh, you were sort of strong-armed into it. Well, I, I think they still have that, that join-or-die mentality, but that still doesn't give you any way that, that you can forgive 
anybody for joining chaos because you can choose death rather than you know true and then you could go work for nagash the other giant alliance of of insanity oh yeah my my point is someone else's slave true (laughs) my point being though is that i don't think the majority of the people who are joining were joining or maybe they maybe it was a, it's there's a lot of them who are joining cuz they want to it seems mm-hmm. like the best option in a world that is pretty hard i mean i i'm not going to use the phrase grimdark cuz that's the wrong game but god bless oh, america it's grim and it's dark i am reading this book going wow the the mortal realms are a lot harsher than i seemed to be thinking they were um, it's it's a pretty harsh existence, and um, a lot of these people choose this. In fact, I think one of the one of my favorite little side stories was the one that started off with the kid who was doing good stuff for the tribe, and he had a lot of honor, but not glory. And then he winds up being one of the Varengard. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, dude, like, oh, so good. But yeah. <laughs> The, the majority of humanity has given itself to chaos. That's crazy. Well, yeah, they they really aren't left with a whole lot of other choices at at that point. And you know, you know, and, and in the the part that you read, what what I really loved, they really kind of, you know, looked before this book came out. You know, chaos, especially chaos mortals. Like like what Slave to Darkness has is you have basically four flavors of 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 chaos to kind of play with in your army, but but now that they kind of are getting a little bit into you know the different realms that are being fouled by chaos, you know they talk about Akshi and Gur, you know they 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 go in w- into some lore about how you have these these chaos hordes that aren't just you know undivided or or devoted to corn but they also have characteristics that are are characteristic of that realm that they're in so it gives you all kinds of opportunities as you're making an army if you want to have your 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 army be uh you know you know a bunch of chaos warriors that have flames all over them because they're they're from actually you you can go to town it's it's pretty awesome that you know, you you have so many different ways that you can kind of just stylize your army to 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 oh, really true. have lots of fun with it. Yeah. Um, what else was in this part that I really liked? Oh, um, and it, it didn't surprise me, but I just like this part that chaos. Once once the forces of chaos take over an area and they've been there long enough, that the landscape will actually. It says landscapes twisted and writhed in the grip of chaos, and many mortals began, to, like it, and it talks about how they literally changed the landscape, like the actual physical makeup of the landscape. The more you worship any particular chaos god, and the more they take sway in that area, the more it, it actually the land becomes like the the their their particular chaos realm. Um, this happened in, in fact, I, it surprised me when I was reading, um, Wrath of the Everchosen because he comes riding in and like, he gets angry and volcanoes start erupting around him and it's like, oh, the actual, but 
much like the chaos gods in their own realms, in his realm, he is king. And when he gets angry, there's actual volcanoes that start happening. Like, this this happens. It's just... <laughs> I, I'm hearing the call of chaos, Jake. That's the problem. That's what's happening. Oh. Join us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, because, like, as we pointed out, d- despite their fractured nature, you know, their worship of certain chaos gods or, you know, if they choose to be undivided, uh, and their tendency to kill each other almost as often as they kill themselves, they are all obedient to Archeon. And even the demon, and I like that it says that in here, even demon lords must take care in the presence of Archeon, the ever-chosen. Um, he's just nothing... To mess with. Yeah, and, and he's, I mean, he's really unique when you compare him to to a demon prince or a chaos lord who are, are really shackled and bound to to the gods that they are devoted to, where Archeon isn't hearing that. He, you know, nobody tells him what to do. He's got his own agenda, and and he's, he's focused on that. And, and not even the chaos gods can really completely control him you know but he is is he the smartest he, guy he in the mortal realms work. you know i don't think so and and i'm gonna tell you why because you know if if he honestly thought that that by destroying the old world that he was you know accomplishing something he, you know he obviously didn't he you know he he's 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 trying to 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 do everything all over again. You well, know, and it does say that he's. But it does like say he that he's conquered world. hundreds of other worlds since then. Yeah, but so you know, he just keeps conquering. But here, but I guess, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get his ultimate plan either. I, I made that very clear when I was talking you know, to Alex, and Alex apparently thought I was kind of a dope for not getting it. But I was mm-hmm. just like, uh, you, it, wipe out everything, and then what? Like, wipe yourself out of? Is, I mean, is he is? If he's literally a character who's just running on spite, that's I don't I don't yeah. know that I care for that. I, I I think he is. I think he's the ultimate nihilist. It could be, and and, and 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 that he's just also you know it's the characteristic saying you know that you know the definition of insanity is to to do the same thing over and over again with you know and Expect you always results, end up with yeah. the same result. Yeah, and and that's kind of what's going on with him but i also think that you know he knows a lot more than than what we know basically of what's going on and but when i say that and when i ask if he's the smartest guy in the mortal realms we we hear story after story in fact one of the things that's going to come up in this next section path to glory is how many millions of aspirants actually become chaos warriors not just marauders not just cultists but actual armored warriors on the path to glory and how just a a minuscule fraction of them ever reach the pinnacles of glory archaeon has reached the utmost height that uh, a mortal and he has not he hasn't bent a knee to any of them he hasn't, and he, in fact, he plays them against each other. He has managed to do what no one else in the history of the Warhammer world has done, which is play them all off against each other, secure his own zone of power to the point where they sometimes seem to fear him. 
Yeah, and because also at the same if time, they he's piss also him. being played by them. Well, yes, he is there, and he's their servant, and he and he accepts their power begrudge. I mean, it's he's. I just, I, he's kind of a complicated character, you know, for being yeah. just a nihilist. Like I, I know I just said he's kind of, you know, if, if that's all he is, but there's so much going on here. But he has managed through the millennia to not let any of the four chaos gods get one over on him. And anytime we read stories about the chaos gods, it's always about them getting something over on their mortal counterparts. I mean, how many stories have we read? And I mean, I know you weren't playing during fantasy, but even then, it's like, oh, they start the, the humans start doing something, think they're going to get the reward, and then chaos turns around and kicks them in the teeth because that's what chaos does because you're a stupid human. And Archeon has managed to not just avoid that, but just take, I mean, they're afraid to withhold from him because he'll just go to the others and, and the other guys and uh, and get more from them then. You know, it's like, oh, you don't want to really help me? Okay, I'll just go to your three brothers and I'll let them know you don't want to help me. I'm certain they'll help me even more. <laughs> like, And nobody gets away with that but Archeon. It's he's yeah. he's fascinating to me. It's one of the reasons and, I really wanted to buy, you know, buy his model and just possibly even play it because that that character is cuckoo. <laughs> no, and and that's what makes him so great. Is he's complicated. You can sit. We could sit down and have a discussion about all the things that kind of make up who he is, and 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 go on for days. He's not just the mustache twirling villain tying little ladies to, to railroad tracks. He's, he's a complicated, nasty guy. And that's, that's what makes him such a great bad guy. He is the boogeyman too. Cause when he shows up, everybody yeah. dies and it's just the threat of him showing up. Cause that's the other thing. It's like, you know, he, he, I won't sit in my throne till I conquer all of this place and all that nonsense. But it's just like you always wonder. It's like, wow, why doesn't he just show up kind of all the time? Like, <laughs> you know, when when these big pushes are happening, when when the gates of Azir are reopening and they're coming down, you you know, I just and he can't be everywhere at once. I get it, but he's just he seems unstoppable. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, when he well, showed up in the in the Realm Gate Wars stories, when they when they were going for that big push, when they were going and 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 he was trying to get the big the world monsters and all that stuff. I mean, he showed up and took out, I mean, basically single-handedly wiped out an entire army of Stormcast and all of their allies. Just, he's like, no, I'm Archeon and you're all dead. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's insane. And then the <laughs> Varengard are no joke either. They're, I mean, that's, that's also terrifying is, you know, the, the, he's got, these these guys is you know his entourage and i think that's the other thing where you don't see him all the time is he's he's accumulating forces and kind of kind of building up like you know he's he's, he's only gonna attack until he can really do it and just such overwhelming force to just destroy everything it's, in his path uh, it's 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 compelling it makes me want to yeah. i want more stories with him like I mm -hmm. or, or more stories with the Varengard. Um I think part of it is just that all looking very similar, all behind those masks. There's mm -hmm. you know, it's just it's that it's 
it's almost like a like a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers. There's just that blank mask and just death coming behind it where it's just like what is going on with that? Doesn't matter what's going on with that. All I know is if you see him you're in trouble. And I just I love it. It really it's really calling to me. Um this uh the section path to glory um I really like and I think a lot of people have heard this before. Um but there are some bits in here that I just they, that still sticks out to me every time I read about it, and it's that whole that whole idea, like you were saying. There's just millions of 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 Joe Blow, nobody, chaos, you know, followers. You know, they die in the droves. But once you're fighting, um, and you're and you catch the eye of the gods, and you sort of elevate to a champion of chaos. Um, that's that's when it gets interesting. They give you gifts, and I love how they describe it. They give you lots of gifts, and some of them make a lot of sense. I'm bigger, I'm stronger, you know, I can see in the dark, you know, but then sometimes you grow a third arm, and it's like, oh, this could be helpful if it wasn't in the middle of my back. Like, what is happening? It's just, it. they don't seem to make any sense at times, um, but they give you gifts as long as you just keep wreaking havoc, but no rhyme or reason. Some are great, some are not. If you're lucky... You get more useful than not useful. If you get a lot of not useful, I guess that's when you turn into a spawn. Um, but what I liked in this section is they talk about the the one common denominator all Champions of Chaos have is this unearthly charisma, their ability to just get people to follow them right into the jaws of death. Um, I also like the section here that talks about if you want to make it to demonhood, you have to commit to a particular god. Um, and then it says in here, if yeah. you if you choose to stay, um, if you choose to stay with chaos undivided, I like this says here. Though the gods will inevitably tire of such indecision, those unmarked uh, who can be said collectively to worship chaos undivided, for they do not treat one god with greater primacy than other, remain deadly foes. Um, it's just I, I I like how it, it says how chaos is just kind of gets tired. Listen, pick one of us. We're getting annoyed with you. Um, we may withdraw our gifts if you don't, but they're still dangerous. And it, and you've, you've got Archaeon. Like these guys, and, and I love how it says that because they, they still feel like they have some free will because they haven't chosen a patron, that they're still, you know, they're still that person. They will fight with even more fervor because they feel like they're fighting for themselves. Um, but once again, you've got Archaeon. As your like guiding example, look, he didn't bow to any particular one. Yeah, I, mean, I could rise to glory that way. It's just, oh, I love it. I love it. And of course, none of these guys almost ever make it. The path to glory is strewn with would-be conquerors and very few demon princes. Yeah, it's it's definitely the siren song that's calling you towards the the jagged rocks, you know, and, and, and to your doom. Absolutely. And, you know, and it talks about how, you know, once they've they've ascended and they've they've attained a little bit of power, uh, you know, it becomes addictive. You know, they they really can't stop once they're already on that path. They're they're hooked. They're you know, they're done with if, if you've ascended to the, the point of being a champion. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, there's 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 no there's no backing down at that point. You're just. No, you know, and it's you're. you're it's it's interesting too because not only that but talk that goes back to that whole theme in this book of obsession 
because mm-hmm. once you've got a little bit of it, you want more. You want to keep rising up. Um, look, and I keep bringing him up, but look back to that stories from the Realm Gate Wars with Corgus Cool. He was a he was building the giant pyramid of, of skulls to corn. He had three of them, I believe, three giant pyramids of skulls. Two were completed. One was almost completed. And then he starts fighting Vanda's Hammerhand, and he he gets it into his head that he needs Hammerhand's skull to top it because Hammerhand is this, you know, he re- recognizes him as some warrior of value yeah. and suddenly he needs, becomes... He a, needs the skull of a worthy champion, you know. It's, you know, you don't, you don't want those worthless nobody skulls, you know. <laughs> But he's gotten all the way to this last part, and then he all of a sudden this becomes the guy, and he becomes obsessed with it to the point where he never ever gets he doesn't get it. He was literally moments away from demonhood. At any point, he could have done it, and something popped into his mind, and it became this obsession with him. I have to have that head, and that changed everything for him. Uh, in fact, if you keep reading, um, I forget where it was. I think it was somewhere in this book, actually, that uh, the Bone Reapers went in and took half of the, a big chunk of those uh, mountains of skulls before he was able to drive them away. They came in. Yeah, the stolen skulls on page 23. Um, the Bone Reapers rode in, and this, there was these big mountains of skulls basically unprotected. And that, like, um, look at all that. That's just, like, stuff for the taken and uh, started taking it. So... Which I mean, any plan that that guy had of being a going to demonhood just went down the toilet because so few make it. I just it's ugh, it's you, you described it perfectly. The siren song calling you to the rocks. Uh, let's see. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, there's a little bit more here I want to cover. Um, you know, the conquerors, the realms, and the soul wars. And the different uh, the different factions uh, before we start getting into in fact, there's a lot left. You know what? Why don't we take a break? We've been talking for about 45 minutes. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more uh, on the lore, and then uh, when we get up to the the, the different uh, the main three factions breakdown, then we'll start to slide into some of the characters and the rules. Sounds good. All right. So we will be back in just a moment, folks. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them.
All right, and we are back. Here we are, folks, back again. Uh, me and Big Jake talking chaos in the mortal Big realms. Jake. Big Jake! Um, <laughs> I'm so glad that you can appreciate that you got a nickname and that it that's how it works because... You know, I start these things and people always think it's dumb, but then it's like, ah, oh, the person I'm talking about doesn't mind it. It's just like the the Grognards bell. The guys at Grognards don't mind it. So, oh, <laughs> how, how how can you be mad? You know? you know, all 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 three listeners are, are loving every minute of this. <laughs> Listen, dude, we got at least a half a dozen. Don't start selling me with the three. We got okay. we got more patrons than that, so I got I got proof that we got it. Well, that doesn't mean they're listening; that just means they're patrons. So, all right, so let's uh, talk about the conquerors of the realms. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Seriously, now, first of all, as the slaves of darkness conquers the realms, they start to now transform them into a physical tribute to the dark gods. So they are actually. This reminds me of orc type stuff where they start just putting up, you know, effigies to, to Gorka Morka. Um, you know, the chaos worship, well, like Corgus Cool's Mountain of Skulls. Like they're going to put their stuff to for their patrons around so people know that this is their realm. But as we spoke earlier, once they get enough of this stuff in their realm, the actual chaos itself will start to twist the realm as well. Um which is scary. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, and it goes beyond just them just going through and, and wrecking stuff because that's kind of what you, you you initially think is is you know you see scenery and stuff from the game and it, you know everything is just destroyed and wrecked and and then you know and heaps everywhere. But yeah, it absolutely goes beyond that to where they're basically terraforming the the realms and and corrupting the land to, to chaos. Which isn't that just? I mean that that's makes it even more awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And this is the can, part can where... I can only imagine how gross that is. Yeah, exactly. Or how... It's just, I mean, well, Slaneshi's, Slaneshi's followers might not... It might not be with him in prison changing as much. But that could be a really, uh, let's say, interesting uh, area. Mm. Um, but they still hold 90% of the land that they conquered. And it's not yeah. just holding against the forces of order or the rightful residents of the land, but against their own rivals. Because once you conquer this area and you claim it for yourself and your patron god, you still have to hold it. And as if there's anything we've learned from these books, it's that even the people in your own army may just stab you in the back and take over at any given time. Yeah, and they're they're not taking the time to build fortifications and, and stuff like that. Because that would be cowardly. You know, Corn wouldn't be very happy if you're... Well, there are some dread holds and dread forts and things like that for certain parts that you're going to take. Yeah, yeah but I guess then so. it, but it does say that. I mean, I'm just reading it out of the book here, but it says yeah. that you know, but the boundaries are shifting. It's not like you're setting up boundaries in your land, but mm-hmm. there are some dread forts. You got to have a home base. Uh, yeah, even though and a lot that, of well, these guys are nomads, and that's what the eight points are for for the most part as well. Yeah, I mean. That's the most famous mm-hmm. of all the strongholds, right? Is the eight points in the Varen Spire, which is just a terrifying. Mm-hmm. Once again, after going and doing um, Wrath of the Ever Chosen two episodes ago, um, I couldn't wait to read this after reading that because I was just like, oh, "This place is was horrible. Like it was the it was the greatest place ever, and he's turned it into this." I mean, it, I mean that's where all the Warcry games happen. That's where all this stuff happens. Mm-hmm. The, the Broken Realm stuff going on in there. 
It's just like, oh, this is so just it, it's just a post-apocalyptic nightmare wasteland. Uh, and it's yeah. yeah, they yeah, they're really turning up the dial. Like you got to love it. Exactly. <laughs> um and then let's see, then where they talk about the different god the chaos gods and everybody knows about the different chaos gods. Um, we know about that stuff. The endless pantheons. More talk about the different chaos gods. Then we get to the soul wars, which I found interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, it starts off the same way. Without a lot of uh, worthy foes, chaos worshippers tend to turn on themselves and their other people. Um, the ever chosen doesn't put up with that nonsense. When he shows up. Uh, people fight alongside him. All their differences get put aside. I like this. Across the realm of Beast, his armies fought the brutal Greenskin Wars, while the Battle of Black Skies saw Nagash cast down by the Slayer of Kings. Even the Slayer of Kings couldn't get rid of Nagash completely. Um, and then you get all of this stuff happening, and then you, you know they talk about the, the Realm Gate Wars. But the Soul Wars, the Necroquake, I thought that was pretty interesting that the Necroquake, not, I mean, it went through all the realms. Of course, it would go through the Varen Spire, but there's so much death in the Varen, in, in the Eight Points that, that, mm-hmm. that caused a lot of issues. Now, granted, everybody who lives there is, is you know, some sort of killer. So as this stuff happens, they handled it, I think, better than most of the other realms. Um, but the end gate over into the realm of Shaiish was just going wonky. And they were like, um, something has definitely happened over there. And every army they sent through the gate just never came back. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think I, I like that part of the story. And then I like that people came back and they're like, um, Archeon, we keep sending guys through there. No one comes back. Archeon's like, I ain't got time for that right now. And you're like, What? Ain't got time for that. What has happened? Then you realize, oh, wait, especially because I read, after you read Wrath of the Everchosen, oh, he's figured out with the Necroquake. Now, we know that that loosened up Slaanesh's prison enough for Archaon to sense where he is. And so the Necroquake happens, and everybody's worried about the land of Shyish and all the dead coming back. But he's got bigger fish to fry because he can go get, and not because he likes Slanesh. That's the best part. He doesn't like him. In fact, of the different chaos gods, he seems to look down on him more than anyone except the great horned rat. Um, but he needs that. He needs his. He needs his power. He mm-hmm. needs his power if he's going to get this job done. And that's so he's got to go. I've got to go free him. No one else is going to free him. And if I free him, not only does he owe me, but I need that power. I mean, let's face it. His, even Dorgar's only got three heads. Should have yeah, more. I always, I always thought that that was a little significant that, that yeah, that there wasn't a, a fourth Slanesh head. And that's probably just Archeon's way of, of kind of... Well, I thought when you know, we read thumb, about Dorgar, thumbing his yeah. nose at, at Slanesh. Oh, see, and I just thought that because he was already captured, and when he was getting his little gifts, when Dorgar sort of transformed into this beast, I thought there was some. I thought I read something about each head mm. came about for a specific reason, and Slanesh wasn't there to to give him, uh, you know, to give him that. Um, I could, yeah, I, I yeah. could be mistaken. Yeah, I could have sworn I read that. Yeah, and page twenty-four it talks about it a little bit where. Yeah, yeah, when they said some of their... Slash yeah. wasn't able to give 
give him the the same gifts as as the other gods. Oh yeah, he's yeah. Bound up. That's right. Yeah. They sent some of their mightiest, greater demons to chest test him, and he and Dorgar crushed them, and then Dorgar was eating them. And mm-hmm. since Slanesh didn't send one, he didn't grow a Slanesh head. He only grew a head for the demons that he conquered. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So um, we get through that, and now in the book, we're getting to the point where it starts listing off the different. Uh, it's called Hosts of Damnation. And this is the part before we start talking about the different units, they start talking about sort of how the uh, war bands are made up. And the thing that, that really sort of grabbed me is, you know, they talk about going on the path to glory and all the things they do, but they have the um, the different hordes, the Ravagers, uh, the Kabbalists, and the Despoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ravagers, it says, uh, the most numerous, having spread across the realms in their lust for conquest, there is often little subtlety to the tactics or aims of the Ravagers, but this is no impediment for their skilled warriors rejoice in meeting any challenge with cold steel. Um, uh, you die, you're just replaced. Nobody cares. This is this is the the literally the ravaging hordes. This is the the. Am I correct? This is just the armies full of cultists and and marauders and. Yeah, this yeah, this is more more of the faction that's focused on taking marauders and and just having hordes and hordes of bodies that they just throw at you. So yeah, it, it, okay. You know, and and that's like we were talking about before. You know, the majority of of these chaos hordes are are made up of cultists and you know marauders, not not you know these big powerful warriors that have you know, gain favor that they're working to, to, to try to, to get on that path to glory. And ascend. that's why they're, 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 they're in fighting, there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, then you get the Kabbalists who seek power through means other than simple slaughter. They are often led by covens of sorcerers. They may originate from Shyish where soul mages and channelers of the dead have long held prominence. Um, but this is a lot of it's, it's magic influenced. Mm-hmm. And then the rarest horde are the Despoilers. Uh, these are among the most dreaded armies of Slaves of Darkness, for in most cases they are led by demon princes. And um, most Despoiler hordes will contain but one prince, for these ascended beings are jealous and egotistical, almost to a fault. Um there are some with more demons, and this one, Despoiler Hordes, are often smaller than the Ravager and Kabbalist equivalents, for only the mightiest can withstand the presence of a demon prince. Alongside them, all sorts of hideous mutated monsters. This is this is where you're going to see your behemoths running through this army with uh, the mm-hmm. demon prince, which is always yeah, going to be fun. Yeah, that, that, that really is ideally an army that would... Yeah, center around a demon prince, and you might have a mutilith vortex beast or or something like that as well. But yeah, it's it's pretty awesome, you know. And and it it really does that 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 one just makes your your demon prince just a beast. Yeah. So I, I love the despoilers. If well, you can't I was tell, having trouble writing a list for the despoilers. So when we get to the okay. list talking, I would, I'd like to hear what you built. Um, All right. 
We'll go there. Because I built a couple, um, and and obviously the fourth one being the host of the Ever Chosen, which is when Archeon takes mm-hmm. the field, you are host of the Ever Chosen. Um, and there's obviously the easy Ever Chosen list. You know, take Archeon and a bunch of Varengard, and then you're pretty much done. Um, because but they you're out of points. Because they, they have the eight circles. You know, there's there's you know there's there's ways that that that, that army can still be interesting. Because yeah, you're going to take Archeon, or you're going to Take the Varen Guard, but there's there's different flavors still. Well, and I like that. Ever chosen, so. I like that battalion that you could take that made it sound like each unit could be from a different circle. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. You pay a little extra points, and now you're not you don't have to be just one circle. You could have all sorts of cool little powers and cool things running through. Um, I liked that a lot. As a matter of fact, it made that really interesting. Um, let's see the space timeline. Is there anything in here that really grabbed your attention uh, from these stories or anyone you wanted to point out? Um, I mean, there's cool stuff in here. You know, you've got the, but a lot of the stuff we've heard, you know, Age of Myth, Age of Chaos, uh, going after mm-hmm. the God Beasts. I mean, it's all in here. If you, if you, um, you can go through the one guy becoming a Zinch demon is in here. Glory of Noxseed. The Stolen Skulls is one of my favorites. Um, the the Black Tourney where Archeon decides he's going to have a contest. Archeon decides that they're going to play Street Fighter, basically. Or he's going to do Tekken. <laughs> I and mean, that's what it is, right? Hey, come here and everybody fight, and I'll watch the fight. And whoever wins the fight gets to come and work for me. Um, it's basically Street Fighter. Um. Yeah, the Gothazar Harvester is getting Corgus Kuhls, uh from his skull ziggurats. There's lots of cool little stories there. There's all, and it, the best thing about it isn't because they're all short. There's nothing that's going to get in in depth, but every one of those is something that you could read that might give you that inspiration for your army. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, they're just story hooks and not you know really. Long drawn out stories, which make, which makes it so good. It just gives you ideas mm-hmm. of of what what missions you could play or what kind of list you could put together. So, and it's always yeah. fun right when they come out to read those and see if there's anything that you haven't heard about before, <laughs> to see if you're getting mm-hmm. any hints of things uh, things to come story wise. Mm-hmm. Of course, this book's been out for a year because I'm slow as everything this 2020. And so now a lot of the stuff has been already spoiled, but I just enjoy this. So let's, um, should we go through and I don't, we don't have to talk about every single character type, but we should at least mention them a little bit and, and give due to where the people need their sure. due. Um, well, of course there's Archeon, which we've talked about ad nauseum and, and Dorgar. Um, the the history of him once again they 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 mull it all down to a page but just just the biggest thing is he was around in the world that was and for some reason i don't know what it was he read or what happened but boy does he hate sigmar <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i don't know why he's got this beef against him what where where that come from <laughs> It's just—it's crazy. It's like he read the apocalyptic writings of the pop, the prophet Necrodomo, which that's kind of the worst name ever. Uh, but Necrodomo, and he learned the terrible truth concerning the divinity of the Heldenhammer. It's okay. I don't know what it is, but exactly. But it just ugh. 
Um, and th- like I said, the one thing I have marked on here is that the gods of chaos regard him with a measure of unease and perhaps even fear, as we were talking about, because he is. He, oh, he, he's he's a legit threat. He is. You know, he is mm-hmm. a legit threat, and it's crazy how powerful he is. I know um, the one the one topic that we haven't really touched, but I know uh, I've heard it talked about before is. Is he is he uh, you know sort of a, a god in his own right almost? Uh, I I I I tend to think no because if they all withdrew their favor and power from him, he'd still be powerful, but he would not be able to take any one of them on without the help of the others. But uh, yeah, he is just he story wise, he seems like he is the biggest threat in the mortal realms, mm-hmm. hands down. I, I mean, he he took down Nagash, not permanently, because you can't. But very few people in the history of Warhammer in general have taken Nagash down. Sigmar's done it. He's done it. The rats did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was just so much. Bu- well, actually, the rats gave the dude the spear that was able to do it. But still, um, he's just he's just the coolest. And then he's got the Varengard, each a mighty champion and conquering warlord in their own right. Um, and I okay, this is what's interesting is you don't just Archaon kind of has to call you, doesn't he? Which leads me to believe that he has much greater knowledge of kind of what's happening with the champions of of, of the movements than than you would think, since there are millions if not billions of warriors of chaos moving around and then suddenly they get some sort of omen or some sort of feeling or some i mean they had that whole book call of the ever chosen where you had all these stories where suddenly it's like archaeon is calling to them and if they can complete these these insane tasks they get to be a varengard which is just like sort of a mini version of what he had to go through yeah, so they have to go through trials, and only one in ten thousand actually get to ascend to to being the very guard. So, so by placing them through the trials, he does get to to basically hand select, you know, who who ascends to to the ranks of the Varengard. But I mean, but still, you know, the the stories when you you know go through all the the different trials that you have to go through, it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's in, it's really interesting, um, and I love the little bits in here. If Arkan ever does succeed in smashing down the gates of Azir, the Varengard will lead the war to burn Sigmar's Rome to the cinders. To cinders. Um, since the eruption of the Necroquake, they've been seen more often in the mortal realms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, it, it's just, oh, they're they are, you know, they. The, they're the toughest of the tough. Is that am I am I basically correct here? They are the baddest oh. of the of the badasses. Uh, yeah, they're they're the big boys, and yeah, and it, and it even goes on to say that basically what what Archeon will do is he'll single out different champions. He'll be like, oh yeah, I, I really like that guy, and even if they try to resist that calling that he places on them, they you know a, a, as soon as he's kind of selected them they're his or, and or all they dead. have to do yeah. or, or, or they don't make it through the, the crucible and they die. Interesting. So. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. And, of course, they're all going to try because why wouldn't you? Because that's the whole thing. If you're on the path to glory, becoming – I mean, that's that's – I would think that – I mean, unless becoming a Varengard is their, is their top goal, um, you could still keep doing stuff. I mean, you could possibly still become a demon prince, although you take the mark of the ever-chosen. And that's another thing. People take the mark of the ever-chosen, which leads me to think, you know, if you're – if you are – as, you know, um, if you are committing yourself to Archeon as opposed to any particular chaos god, so are these guys all undivided or no? They, they can still be devoted to a single chaos god. Okay. So and and yeah, and that doesn't mean that Archeon doesn't want you just because you've devoted yourself to to one of the chaos gods, and you know he he likes variety. <laughs> It works. It's just there's just so much happening in this, you know. There's, uh, mm-hmm. dude. I mean, talk uh, just the internal politics of this stuff, which you don't think about that when you think of roving hordes of hordes of marauders. But there's there is a bunch of inter- internal politics happening between the different gods and the different patrons and who follows who. It's uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, let's see what else we got. The different warlords, chaos lords, you know, masters of darkness and violence, constantly trying to prove their might. Um, some of them ride manticores. Yeah, we got that. Exalted heroes, champions, who are uh, who have begun to attract the notice of the gods, but have not yet become chaos lords. Um, you know, these are the guys who are trying to become chaos lords. These are the guys who have, you know, an exalted hero is still a champion. He is still on the path to glory. He just hasn't reached that status. He's a hero and not uh, not a lord. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, he's he's still trying to level up. Yeah, exactly. He's he's a mid boss. He's not a he's not an yeah. end boss. Uh, <laughs> yep. And the Dark Oath war leaders um, are pretty cool. And I love this picture here. Um, mm-hmm. I like that it says that they're an enigma, yet one that has already had a lasting effect on the tribes and cultures of the slaves to darkness. Um, the one part that stuck out here to me is the Dark Oath are named after their practice of swearing great oaths to the Dark Gods, recording these packs upon graven stone tablets. Though it is not unusual for a champion to offer pledges to their patron, the regularity with which the Dark Oath makes such vows and fulfill them has become infamous. These are oaths a moment, aren't they? Mm-hmm. That's basically what they are. These guys of all of of all of the because you don't you don't even hear about uh, you don't hear about uh, Stormcast doing this, but the Dark Oath War leaders are basically doing oaths a moment, um, but they're the bad guys or at least the chaos guys. Um, but just it's it's funny how they 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 make the and it says they and they fulfill them with such regularity. They're not just making oaths; they're fulfilling them. Um. It makes them pretty scary and pretty cool. I do, I do like them. Yeah, and yeah, and it, 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 you know they're, they're they're pretty amazing. I mean, I wish the the rules were a little bit better for the models. <laughs> oh man, the the models are so amazing. And but uh, you know these these are you know the 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 chieftains that are are leading just the mobs of of marauders and cultists. You know they they have to be these these badasses for everybody to want to, to, to follow them. So, well, and you know, they've got the charisma oh. cause it's that one common denominator, but just their weird visions that they have. Um, it's just, it, the, the lore behind them is pretty cool. And like you said, the, the lore and the, 
And as a 40K player and, and as an Ultramarines or, or Space Marine player, you know the lore and the tabletop don't match. They just <laughs> so often. Um, More often than not. Yeah. But, uh, man, I do like the lore. And I, I, I like when the rules, you know, maybe, you know, they can't. You know, every book you read, and it's like, oh, this guy should be able to take on a city alone. And it's like, well, in the game, that would be terrible. Um, but at least if they have rules that sort of fit to their lore, that's I'm good mm-hmm. with that. You know, and these guys seem to have some of that. Yeah, they're very flavorful, and and I yeah, I love that. You know, it talks about how the war queens have these these visions mm-hmm. that they have, and and then yeah, it goes on to reflect. You know, the lore really does reflect in their rules. Which, which is what makes it a lot of fun. Exactly. Uh, let's see the chaos masters of chaos magic. When they talk about the sorcerer lords, what I liked in this information is when they talk about the sorcerer lords, is how they have no respect for the danger of what they're doing. The arcane energies, like you, you, you see the forces of order, and it's like they're very careful. They realize that this can get out of hand real quick, and is dangerous. Chaos sorcerer lords are like it's already gotten out of hand. It's yeah. too late. Yeah, it's out of hand. And uh, honestly, if I if I'm not willing to go there, I don't. I mean, you, you're not going to get the power if you're not gonna if you're not gonna go for it. It was like, what did that guy say on the? It was during the Super Bowl yesterday. He said something. It was uh, if you're not going to risk it, you won't get the biscuit. Yeah. That's. What is what is happening? Sorry, that was my that was my computer there. Um, but yeah, if you, then these guys are going to risk it all the time. They're happy to go for it. Um, they have no, they don't care about the danger because, like I said, they're already committed to chaos. You're either going to become a demon or you're going to die. So, um, and I did like this little bit here in the in the middle pair the middle column. Sorcerer lords tend to be among the most depraved slaves to darkness. For to maintain their divine protection. To keep their favor of the gods, to keep that prescience that allows them to see what's happening, they will willingly and joyously commit any act, no matter how vile. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, good to know. Uh, they talk a little bit about the gods sworn hint, the gaunt summoners, which is really cool. Archeon going through, and of course, you know, and this is why you never see him fighting because he's busy going around hunting down all sorts of stuff. Like he spent all the time getting all the things that made him the ever chosen. Now he spent what? How many? How many centuries did he spend trying to get all the names, the true names of the Gaunt Summoners, so that he has now locked them all in into his service? And I love it. Even says they rail at their servitude and seek always to elude Archeon's clutches. None of the Gaunt Summoners like working for Archeon. They don't like being his punk, but they do it because I've, what are you going to do? They do it because it's, you know, that's how they get more. And he's got their names. Yeah. They don't have a it's... choice. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, then they talk about Chaos Warriors. Um, okay. My first list I built was all Chaos Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. Or or Chaos uh, Chariots, Chaos Chosen. Um I have nothing against the Conan the Barbarian Marauder look, but the thing that I look at that just makes you go whoosh is the is just all that armor. Um, 
it's one of the what's one of the one of the many points that Harrison and I completely disagree upon. He 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 finds spiky armor. He's like, oh come on. He's like, it's such a bad cliche. It's just all this spiky armor. Oh, I'm so tough. I got spiky armor. You know, don't get near me. I'm spiky. And I'm like, no, I love it. <laughs> I think it's so. Honestly. Um, and I think it's great. And you know what? I'm I'm gonna say something that may be a little controversial, but I think the Chaos Warrior is the most iconic model the, the you know the most iconic look for for warhammer fantasy they're like the space marines on the fantasy side of warhammer they've been around since the beginning oh yeah and and they you know they're awesome they always have been and oh and the, the and the new sculpts are just dynamite good oh i love it oh see this is and 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 you know i i and uh, i can't believe i'm even saying this you know, I keep looking at this stuff, and anytime it comes up and you see it on the internet, everyone's like, "Oh, it's only good if you know." And and I did. I looked. I looked at the list, and I looked at the points. And yes, taking just hordes of marauders, just points wise and bodies wise, it's just way cheaper and easier just to take tons of marauders. And as a person who likes playing horde armies, I can totally see doing that. I can totally <laughs> see just taking, you know, big units of forty marauders. You know, several of them because they're so cheap, and just just weighing down the enemy with body, like like it literally says here in the book, just ravaging hordes, and they don't care. They're in there. They're either going to die or they're going to wipe out the enemy, and that's the way it looks. But I, if I'm going to paint and play with it, I want black armored monsters coming across the field and this is the part of it that i love i love that it talks about they some tribes for their own rep weapons some rely on the services of fallen dwarden smiths and anytime i see chaos dwarves i say yay um i do like that their weapons are cooled in blood not water like literally so while you're sitting there at the forges and you're and you're hammering away at your at the steel that you're making the blades out of you got to cut someone's throat and fill a bucket to sit there and then put put the <laughs> I just love it. It's like you just got to have bodies on hand cuz it's fresh lifeblood. I got to have bodies on hand to slaughter. Because the the actual as I'm forging their weapons, we're cooling them and its blood is in the weapon itself in its creation. It's like I like that. Um uh, you get the uh, so then it talks about the chosen and of course they're the the toughest of the chaos warriors, the chaos knights. You know, put them on big armored horses. The chariots of chaos, and I like and I like the look of the chariots of chaos. I don't know if they are any good in the game, but boy oh boy, do I like those chariot look. The look that the gore beasts, the regular beasts. Let's like I said, when we get to the list, that's my that's what I'm playing right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's they're they're amazing, and it's nice that you have two different ways you can build them with the gore beasts, mm-hmm. or 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 with the horses. But yeah, I mean, you, even with taking the the battalion from the Marathi book, I mean, I think that's really the, the best way to take a chariot focused army. And it's oh, I didn't you know, even look. I, I think it's more narrative than any anything else. I totally forgot to. I didn't even look at the Marathi book when I was going through and doing this. I totally forgot they had that in there. God bless America. Yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> All right. So what else we got in here? Now we start to get to the 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 
the rest of this here. You've got the Marauders, you know, um, from lands suffused with the corrupting touch of chaos come the Marauder tribes. Numbering in the hundreds of thousands, these barbarous chaos worshippers fight in the name of the ruinous powers. So hundreds, of, I mean, and it's, it's that hundreds of thousands across the, I'm, I'm thinking there's got to be millions across the realms. With the size mm-hmm. of it and how many, I mean, they could have, they've, uh, they've literally discussed armies having hundreds of thousands when Archaon comes in marching with all of these guys. So it's just, I love it. Uh, I also love, as you're reading this, they are often fighting uh, against other war bands because once again, once you start running out of people to fight, you still need to keep fighting. So they got a few others to fight. They need to prove their superiority and then they absorb the worthy defeated into their into their groups. So it's they really call their own here uh, mm-hmm. in this. And then, you know, Marauder Horsemen, the War Shrines are pretty cool. War Shrines sound really cool. I don't, once again, don't know how well they play in the game because I don't play Chaos. And that's, you know, come to think of it, none of my friends play Chaos. I mean, like this type of Chaos. Like, I mean, I you know, I... You know, I got a friend who plays Corn or a friend who plays Slanesh. I, uh, Brandon plays uh, Skaven. But no, I don't know anyone who plays slaves. So I don't it's a know. Shame. Yeah, <laughs> they're missing out. You know, someone's going to have to pick it up. I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe if I can get all this other stuff painted, somebody. I don't. Somebody's going to have to play this army. Somebody we know is going to have to pick this up around the neighborhood. Otherwise, otherwise, it's going to fall to me. And Lord knows, I that I'd be very sad if I had to pick up that Archeon model. <laughs> uh, and then let's see. Then they talk about Bellacor. Bellacor is just really cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah, love they, him. Yeah, they really did a lot to to kind of boost him up mm-hmm. uh, with this book. And and yeah, he's he's still really cool. So if if you're running a Despoilers army, he really is a, a great uh, model to build that army around. And I kept hearing that. And once again, I like I said. When we get to the army lists and stuff like that, I had some trouble building uh, lists. I, one of the things I found was, I, at least personally, and I, like I said, it's it's first at first glance type stuff. But when you pick between uh, Ravagers, Cabalists, uh, or uh, Despoilers, um, they're all pretty cool and they have some interesting rules. But nothing, I, I did, you know, I'm maybe I didn't see the right combo that made any one thing look like, oh, that's just so overpowered and crazy. Um, I think the Ravagers is the most obvious. If you take five different leaders, each leader can take the generalship uh, during a different turn and bring in a unit, which becomes suddenly five units over five turns, which is just awesome and dumb. Um, but uh, I, I would love it if you could explain to the listeners. Um, I mean, I, I, I read the rules for Bellacor. He's awesome, but I'm curious as to what mm-hmm. what I mean. Anytime you hear it, everyone's like, "Oh, Bellacor! You got to take Bellacor! You got to take Bellacor!" And I was going to hopefully let you let you run through that. Um, soul grinders. What's your opinion on soul grinders? And I don't mean in game. I mean in general. They just seem like a. They seem so 40k to me. I mean, just. It, it, yeah, I, I, it, it, it's a fairly old model, and I think that that is one of its downfalls. I think in the game, it's it's done pretty well for me. I did actually pick one up in my Path to Glory campaign, and it did amazing for me. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that I'd like to see get an update and maybe you know kind of 
they, they, they could do a lot to make that, that model feel a little bit more in tune with the rest of the army. It just does would, seem like it kind of sticks out. And I like the lore because I read it because, it, I mean, it does. It sticks out. It, it, it feels very 40K. Um, I would love, especially in the, in the age of dual kits, to have some weapons that are more 40K and some stuff that definitely looked more Age of Sigmar, you know? Um, but I like how it's like, and it says here, and this I didn't realize, um, how, you know, like I knew they could become this mix of demon and iron, but when a demon is banished, they can only return to the mortal realms after a given period of time or certain preconditions are met. For those whose desire for vengeance burns hottest, there's another way. Make a pilgrimage to the Forge of Souls, the armory of demonkind within the realm of chaos. Present before the master of the forge. Speak the oath of the iron pact. You swear yourselves into the service, and they will build you up, turn you into a soul grinder, and send you out. Now, if you can survive out there as a soul grinder, you can finish off your pact and be on your merry. But most of them wind up getting killed and then coming back and having to swear more oaths to get sent out again, and eventually they have sworn themselves into service of the forge masters, which is just a really interesting sort of, it's like, wait, these demons have now, they already owe themselves to their own patron god, but now they owe allegiance to this other group just so they can get out there and fight faster. Um, and they totally got you know into promises they couldn't keep, and they just keep making them, burying themselves deeper into these people's debt. I think that's a pretty cool bit of lore, actually. Yeah, I mean they're they're bound to the to the machine, and yeah, it's, it's these packs that they made that kind of keeps them bound to that to that machine, and and you know it it, it just goes along with the whole you know everybody that that are that's making these paths these oaths they're they're just digging a deeper and deeper hole for themselves as as they as they actually ascend the path to glory you know yes maybe we shouldn't say that they're ascending but they're actually descending, descending as, yeah <laughs> as, as they're going on and on so and then the poor I chaos spawn the best that can be hoped for is that they get herded into battle and given the opportunity to end their tortured <laughs> existence in death <laughs> yeah yep and then the slaughter bruce and the vortex beast those guys came up in the last like they they came up uh, you know a while ago um, the idea that the weapons have to all be jammed in the Slaughter Brute's back to get him under control. Um, the idea that the Vortex Beast, just anything around it, starts to ripple and warp with the energies of... Ca these are two really... Once again, the lore on these is really, really cool. And the models are pretty hot, too. I, I like them. Um, mm -hmm. I know not ev not everyone agrees with me that, with, with that, but they're just some pretty... They're kind of hardcore. I do enjoy them. Um, and then there's a yeah. whole bunch in here about the guys from the eight points, the different, uh, the Fomoroid Crushers, the Ogroids, the Mind Stealers, Pharynxes, that type, the different war bands of the Eight Peaks. Um, I mean, that stuff's interesting and new. It's, it's a lot of, basically, it's Warcry is now a part of this, you know, Warcry is not just Warcry. You can bring these war bands mm -hmm. into the game. And it's actually pretty interesting if that's what you want to do. It, it can look pretty good. Well, and I, and I and I think if you you've already gotten into Warcry and you kind of want to step it up a little bit, get into Age of Sigmar, you certainly could, you know, Absolutely. get in on a path yeah. to glory campaign and 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 slowly build up your army and and have what you've already, you know, gotten 
playing Warcry to 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 kind of be your base as you you build up to an Age of Sigmar army. So yeah. Okay, so that's that's everything in the lore section. Um, is there anything else that you want to bring up, or anything else that you want to point out about the um, about, about this? Is there anything that I missed? Anything that that really strikes your fancy? Anything that you part of the lore that you love in particular? You know, I <laughs> I just love all of it, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm. I'm particularly really just I, I've always been struck by by the by the chaos warriors. I, I think that uh, you know, no matter which way you play, it, you you've got to splash those guys in into your army just to just, just for for the heck of it. I mean it to they just they just scream chaos, slaves to darkness, you know. Yes, they do. They're just I mean, ugh, I I they're my favorite part of this of this army are the chaos warriors and possibly the chaos knights, um, even before the Varen Guard. Just looking those just those big, heavy, armored horses and these big, heavy, armored, this the the, the black knight. You know that whole concept uh, is just it, mm-hmm. it's so great. Um, let's take a break. Let's come back and talk about the basic rules. Um, you know, for the army itself, and for and for the ravagers and despoilers and that type of thing. Um, after we talk that, we'll we'll hit a couple of the big character units. You know, we'll definitely talk about some Archeon rules and Bellacor and why he's so cool. And then, um, like I said, I've got a couple of lists. I'd like to know if you think they're any good or what you do with them and what you would run. Since I know you you run a lot of Path to Glory. Um, and I and I wouldn't mind uh, uh, you talking about that a little bit since you since we don't talk much about Path to Glory, um, and it might be a little fun for you to 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 talk about your experiences with that and how it led you into playing, you know the the you know how, where it leads you with picking your full on army. All right, great. All right, cool. We'll be right back, folks. This is Brian Blessed, and you're listening to Garage Hammer. He is a child, too young to wage war, but old enough to learn the ways of the hunt. His first kill is with a sling, bringing down a speckled griffek on the wing. His father shows him how to preserve the bird's flesh in salted strips for the next long journey across the plains, and his shaman teaches him how to crush the bones into powder to breathe in and induce intoxicating dreams. The beast's feathers, dappled blue and gold, he gives to his mother for her headdress. The creature's incredible claws are woven into his first deed necklace. His proudest moment comes with the following dawn as he recovers from the twitching dreams of the reagent-infused bone powder. His sister, her skin scaled in the war paint of the tribe's spear dancers, paints his face with a hunter's woad marking him as a provider for the kin clan. The years pass. He is a hunter at the precipice of manhood. His face reflects this, painted with the markings of a killer of beasts, not a slayer of men. There is honor in this, great honor, but no glory. And like so many youths of his tribe, he needs one 
and craves the other. Honor is a necessity, something he desires. But glory? Glory is a thing to thirst for, to kill for, to die for. He moves through the bracken forest, his footfalls scarcely disturbing the ashy soil, his bare shoulders never brushing the dry and leafless branches. He imagines himself wraith silent, not like the tormented specters of the unsleeping dead, but true silent, making no more sound than a shadow. In one hand, he holds a javelin tipped with red bronze, in the other, a sheath of mottled javic leather, tied tight and wrapped around two spares. Three casts. If he can't bring down his prey in three casts, he'll have nothing left but a knife of beaten bronze and may the vulture god help him his wits. Disaster has descended upon his kin band and it has fallen to him to break the curse. An oath was sworn, made with blood and spit and fire that he wouldn't return without seeing it done. Already he regrets leaving his horse behind, but his steed is in heat, making her fractious and unquiet. He needs to hunt in silence tonight, and so he moves on foot, alone in the dead forest. He sees his prey before it sees him. The figure hunches in a feral squat, eating raw flesh from the throat of an Uliak great stag. The stag's knuckly antlers shiver with the motions of its defiled corpse, their ivory tips gouging the worthless earth. No steam rises from its open wounds, even on a night this cold. It has been dead for some time, and the creature, feasting on its flesh, cares nothing for the fact it dines on spoiling meat. The hunter moves closer, feeling a chill on his skin that has nothing to do with the night air. Sweat makes jewels on his brow, each droplet a diamond threatening to reflect the moonlight. The prey, however, has its back to him. The hunter was careful to ghost around to the rear. He makes ready now, notching his javelin into an atlatl cane to hurl the dart with a far greater strength and speed. With a spear, he can spike a horse on the run, lancing its flank. With an atlatl to add vigor to the cast, he can bring down a stallion with a single heart strike. The hunter makes his throw. The moment it flies from his hand, he knows the cast is perfect. He barely even sees it in flight. One moment the dart is launched, the next it spiked through, jutting from the back of its prey's neck and lanced through the throat. A perfect throw, a killing cast. A warrior struck by such a hurl wouldn't even have time to gargle any last words. They'd be dead before they had the chance, bereft of vocal cords, breath, and blood to the brain. Now the prey lies dead, necks snapped and impaled atop its cold meal. The hunter's fear gives way to pride. That was surely the cast of his young life. He's murmuring his thanks to the vulture god when the prey gets to its feet. The prayer fades, first to a whisper, and then to nothing. Bloodless sinews creak as the prey turns its head on a broken neck. Shock steals the hunter's grace. He goes for his spares, drawing the second dart with more panic than haste. The prey comes for him, shambling, stumbling over the uneven earth, and in that moment it ceases being it and becomes her. Even worse, it ceases being prey and becomes someone he knew, someone he knows. He says his mother's name. 
If the dead thing remembers her name, she shows no sign. Her rotting senses track him unerringly. Sightless eyes see exactly where he stands. The god of the dead blesses those he brings back. This is a lesson the hunter has been told many times around the tribal fires, and now he finally learns the truth of it. His second cast flies almost as true as the first. It takes her in the heart, breaking her ribs with a dry branch snap, but the wound is meaningless to a figure of cold bone and cursed meat. He takes his third cast as she's reaching for him, and fate, or fate's misbegotten child, luck, is on his side at last. The dart drives through the grave walker's eye with enough force to stagger her, and the hunter bears her stumbling form to the ground. Hands that have been dead for days claw bluntly at his face. He closes his eyes so she can't gouge them out, and he does what he came to do. Avenging the hex placed upon the family by sawing through the dead woman's neck with his cleansing knife. Three days later, the hunter rejoins his tribe. He casts the ghoulish trophy before his war chief as the spear dancers gather by the revel fires. And over his mother's severed head, he declares himself a breaker of curses, a blooded warrior, a child no more. The years unspool, and he is as much a myth as a man. Glory has brought him this far, and glory drives him still. He is a bloodshedder, a life reaver, a knight of the true gods who has carved a legend into the flesh of his foes with the lance in his hand. He is also scarred and aching and saturated with spite accrued over centuries. The battle rages around him, drenching him in the din of metal on metal, men and women screaming to maintain their exhausted rage. The air stinks of blood and scorched iron and the filth that runs from the bodies of the slain. Horns sound above the ceaseless melee, plaintive and wayward, inspiring men forward or commanding retreats. The sun beats down upon both armies, baking the iron-clad warriors and the gourish wilderness around them as they crash and clash and sweat and die. The knight pays heed to none of this. For years, he fought in the press of shield on shield, hacking with blades until they blunted, thrusting with spears until they broke. Those days of fear and fury are long behind him now. Arteroth rears beneath him, its warped jaws parted in a roar, both ursine and canine, as it lashes out with nail-shod hooves. The knight feels his companion's war joy, a physical aura around the roaring creature but he hauls on the reins, forcing them both clear of the chaos, refusing to be drawn into the battle. Even after centuries, fighting that temptation is harder, not easier. His tongue tingles with blood need, his muscles sting with unspent strength. The knight knows his presence in the front lines would break hundreds of foes, but the three-eyed king demanded only one thing of him this day. That lone commandment cannot be achieved if the knight loses himself to the narcotic taste of battle madness. He spurs clear and rides on. Just as the creature he sits astride is no longer a horse, the knight is no longer just a man. His face is forever hidden behind a brazen helm. His flesh is sealed beneath ancient rune-marked plate. When he rides, his demonic steed's hooves eat at the earth like acid. No one has spoken his true name in centuries. In truth, the knight has forgotten it himself. Even his allies greet him by his title. Dread 
has instilled a sense of formality within even these barbaric souls, and when they come before him, their tattooed mouths shape the word Varengard. There. He sees his prey across the field of battle. There. A crested dwarden, armed with axes of silver and armored in gold. A king of these wretched things, if they can be said to have kings. The high sun dagger flashes off the metal runes hammered into the Duarden's skin. The stunted creature's face is red with the effort of crying out for the aid of his ancestors. In moments like this, the knight becomes the hunter once more, and cruel spurs fang their way into Adaroth's hide. The horse creature leaps forward at a dead run, the gallop seamlessly becoming a charge. Rider and steed plunge through the battle dust kicked up by 10,000 feet, reining around the slow infantry when they can, slaughtering their way through where they must. The Duarden King turns. This squat figure of rippling muscle and plaited beard hair and whirling axes, he turns and sees death riding closer. He raises his blades to the knight. The knight lowers his lance, aiming the barbed tip at the doomed lord. The moment of truth, when it comes, lasts for several blade-breaking, blood-gouting minutes. Yet it ends as they all end, with a lance driven through armor and flesh and bone through a champion's heart. As dusk falls, the knight rejoins the war host. He casts the trophy to the tainted earth as the funeral pyres burn, and over the severed head of a Dwarden warlord, the knight of the fifth circle faces down the war leaders of seven tribes. Their war is won, just as the knight promised. The enemy king is slain, just as the knight vowed. At dawn the next day, the horde rides the plains, making haste to reach Archeon's side and the great gathering that awaits. But the Varengard does not need them. He abandons them, his duty done. As he rides alone, he touches the talisman at his mailed throat, where a set of time-worn Griffith claws rest against his armor. The gesture is a habit now, a thing of repetition, through a motionless compulsion. The way some of the unquiet dead will haunt the places of their murder. The nameless knight rides west, toward the lands that lie near the realm's edge. Archeon's will demands it, for there he will find other beasts to butcher, other tribes to bind, and other kings to slay. And we are back again, back another time. We're never going away. Uh, and we are here to talk about the cool stuff that is the rules, the war, making war with the Slaves to Darkness. Um, all right. Now, you know this book a little better than I do, and you're the one who knows this part of it more than I do. Um, should we talk about Path to Glory first? Would that make more sense to talk about your path to glory stuff that you do, and uh, how yeah. you, and then we can get into the rules because the rules for the actual army, I've never. I'm going to be honest with you. Full disclosure: never played a path to glory, glory campaign, not once. Okay. Um, I I know the basic idea behind it. It's sort of you know like you're running smaller war bands. Am I correct? Yeah. So it, it it's it's kind of like a slow grow campaign okay you typically do so if, so if you you, you want to 
flip to the book so you can kind of. Yeah, I'm on page uh, 80 on right page now. 80. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, what, what you you need to do to start out is is pick a hero mm-hmm. for for your army, and you know if if you really want to do it right, I I really feel that you you probably want to start out with either a champion or a chaos lord and and try to build them up. But if but if you want to go nuts, you know it 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 you know you could. You could roll, I guess, on the on the chart on eighty two, and and start with a chaos lord on a manticore, or or with the mountain, really, really just be nasty. <laughs> well, because yeah, it looks like you could. Let's see, you could do the chaos lord on manticore or sorcerer lord on manticore, mm-hmm. but then you only get two rolls on the follower chart. So you, obviously, the, mm-hmm. the the tougher your champion is, the less uh, the less followers you're going to have because you got to start off sort of fair, right? I'm assuming that I got For, that, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's meant to keep you a little bit more, more balanced. Then, uh, and then you can get up to three rolls if you're on a demonic mount or a carcadrac. You get four rolls if you're just a lord, a sorcerer lord, or a demon prince. So if you're just a, a lord on foot, you get more followers. And then how does that work yeah. from there? So once you pick your champion, let's so, see. Yeah, once you pick your champion, you, you find out how many follower roles that you have, and then you, you just use those number of roles to, to determine which table you're going to get followers from, and and you know you roll however many d6 you need to to find out what those followers are going to be. And and what what I've done in the past is when we've typically played a, a you know a path to glory is is start out fairly slow and if, if, if someone just rolls something on a table and it's not something that they have or or are willing to to pick up because you know they're they're just really not interested in going out and you know getting a right i don't want to go out and buy a whatever vortex piece so then just re-roll or, or, or furies yeah you just re-roll and, and and keep going but but it does yeah kind of add some some random factors to, to how your army gets put together. So, um, but really I think what makes, makes it fun is, you know, the, the rewards tables and, you know, figuring out what kind of, you know, cool things your, your hero gets to do or, or whatnot. And, you know, if you really luck out, if, if you're playing this, you know, you start out with, with a demon prince and then you just, own everything because <laughs> those guys are just power, <laughs> so powerful. It's not even fair. Interesting. So, yeah. if I wanted to, like, let's say I chose, let's say I went crazy and I picked the Chaos Lord on a Manticore. Okay, so I get two follower rolls. Now, can I just pick mm-hmm. from any of these categories here? Which one I want? Like, so it says ever chosen retinue followers table. I can use two rolls. So my two rolls, I can just be like, okay, I'm taking three Varengard, and uh, that's my two rolls. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know that's how you typically do it, and, and you know you typically want someone from your your gaming group who's kind of running the campaign to steer things. Okay, um, but that yeah, that's how it's it's typically done. Is is yeah, you're gonna pick which table you want to go on. The yeah, those elite monster and ever chosen tables are gonna cost you more than one roll, right, or a glory point. Interesting. And then you just have these little, and you have these little battles, and you start gaining glory. 
Um, yeah, and, and and yeah, and you want to as as you do more battles, you know, you're you're trying to to get glory points for for winning, and those glory points allow you to to pick up more units and build your army, add more units as you go. So. Okay, and so you win really by either having fun. ten glory points or five additional units of followers, and then you got to mm-hmm. win a battle with that. Interesting. So this isn't that different than uh, when we used to play Mighty Empires, except Mighty Empires it was you'd play battles with regular armies, and then you would just pick the different your different tiles that you would conquer would give you extra mm-hmm. stuff. And so, okay. Mighty and if you em- want to spice things, if you want to spice things up, you can do something similar where you do. Uh, a map campaign, and everybody can be from a different realm, uh, and then have that play into it. You know, there's there's so many things that you can add on top of the path to glory. You know, the the, the bones that it gives you to, to to make for a really interesting campaign. Cool. And and I think it you know is a fun way to play something narrative rather than just showing up every week and playing another game of 2000 points against 2000 points and yeah i can see that because and, and that's yeah. that's actually pretty huh because yeah. i'm just looking at this because i tell you what the most fun i pretty much ever had when we were playing this was when i ran a couple of mighty empires campaigns with with uh nw2 where we got you know we had like eight or nine or ten people playing we had a map and you have to play games and every couple weeks and Chris, you was good with the graphics, so I would send him the info, and he would update the map and send it to me, and then I would post it up on the forums and uh, post it with all of the, uh, you know, this is what happened, and I would add a little bit of narrative uh, touch to it so it wasn't just who beat who, but, you know, I w- you know if they told me any cool points that happened in the game, I'd work that into the different stories, and then, you know, there was all sorts of cool stuff in Mighty Empires because you could, with different points, if you if you won battles, you would get little, you can get different types of bonuses. So you could sort of like take some of the points you won to bribe, uh, you know, or to to get bonuses. And we kept calling that bribing the peep, you know, bribery and stuff like that. So it'd be like, oh, you spent your points to do this, and so now this guy, you know, turns a, turns a blind eye to when you're running and doing that, and it became this really fun sort of. Yeah, it was, I mean, just a narrative campaign, basically, is what it be a, a nice narrative campaign. So, wow. So, if you can find the right people to play, maybe I should try to get this going. Maybe I've got a few friends who have a few smaller armies that wouldn't mind just playing a few things. Might have to add that to my list of, of things that I'm never going to get to. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. We so we played it a, a a few times, and you know, a couple times, you know, the campaign started off fairly strong, and then just kind of went off the rails because it's not always really designed to be balanced. Um, you know, one iteration that we did it, I rolled up uh, a demon prince as my my hero, and yeah, that that. That wasn't super balanced, and you know, you know, the it, it can kind of get away from you if you don't find ways to kind of keep things balanced and keep it in check as you go. Well, that's and that's the biggest risk of any of these types of campaigns, isn't it? Is it mm-hmm. when one person really starts to, they're obviously getting towards the lead and about to win, and the few people who are all the way in the back yeah. are just sort of like they start and become disinterested um, mm-hmm. because they just can't win, and that's that, that's. 
that's something you got to address, I think, in the beginning. As a guy who was running Mighty Empires, I made it very clear. Look, guys, you know, we're we're all in this for for six rounds or for however many you know that it's going to be. Um, if you're not doing well, if you're one of those people who's going to quit because you're not doing well, you're going to kind of ruin it for everyone. There's you know the the social contract of seeing it through to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, I. <laughs> Nowadays, you, know, but it, you can't even play. So, what are you going to do? How are you going to have a campaign? But, <laughs> but it's, um, it, one thing that was fun to me is, you know, typically when I I, I build my army for for just playing a game, I'm going to try to create synergies and and have, you know, a command ability buff a certain unit. You know, I, I you know you you always have that 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 crazy master plan in your head. Uh-huh. Uh, with this, there's no master plan. Your army is what the dice tell you. It is, and, and and you end up finding, you know, units that maybe didn't interest you in the first place that that actually end up being a lot of fun. And that's actually uh, what happened to me is I, I ended up uh, picking up a unit of Chaos Chosen, and I thought, oh, man, those things, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to like those. I loved them. Uh, <laughs> they ended up being my favorite my favorite unit in the Army after playing Path of Glory, so... Cool. Yeah. yeah, that sounds. God, that does sound like fun, and it's easier to get into because it's smaller numbers of models. Like you, this, that seems like a yeah, good way could, to get new players in. Like you could play with just a few. You know, hey, you can play with my. I have an extra army here. Just you can roll up and try a few things and see what what happens. Or you could literally have someone pick up a start collecting box and maybe one extra box of units, and they could they could start. You know. Uh, you know, if you you had them play the Chaos Lord on Karkadrak, they only they need three followers for that guy. You know, two two followers come in the box if you pick up the start collecting box. So, so you're Sweet. You're, you're one box you're one box away at that point from 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 hitting the ground running. So okay, nice. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into some of these allegiance abilities. Let's start talking some rules here. Let's start talking yeah. war. All right. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, let's see. First of all, you've got to pick uh, whether you're going to be Ravagers, Cabalist, Despoilers, or Host of the Ever Chosen. You have to. Okay. Yep. So you got to pick one of those. Um, also, you have to pick if you're going to be Corn, Zinch, Nurgle, Sinesh, or Undivided. A lot of these uh, different uh, heroes will say that they have to choose a, a mark keyword. And it'll, I think it says actually Mark of Chaos on them so that you can pick. Yeah, it'll just say Mark of Chaos in their keywords. And it's, if it says that, you have to pick a Mark of Chaos. Yep. Okay. And so you got to pick... Yeah, uh, there, yeah, there's there's really only certain named characters that really tie you to to one Mark. Bellacor is yeah, most... undivided already. And Archeon yep. is everything already. Yeah. So, all right. So if you pick, then you get... Um, if you select a unit with well, more than one Mark of Chaos keyword, you must pick which one will apply for the duration of the battle. So the, when you pick this, the heroes... Let's see. What does it say? Um, each Slaves of Darkness hero has one of the following aura abilities. The aura hero has... Okay, so the different abilities for the hero. Now, if you picked an aura of corn... Mm-hmm. Um... It says uh, re-roll hit rolls of one for melee attacks. 
for friendly mm -hmm. slaves to darkness corn units wholly within 12 inches. So if I'm a corn hero, all my corn units within 12 inches of me get to reroll hit rolls for one in their attacks. If it's the general, it's plus one to wound as well. Okay, so okay, so if I'm a hero, mm -hmm. I get one level, and if I'm a general, I get two levels. So corn, obviously, reroll ones to hit, plus one to wound. If uh, if it's the general, mm -hmm. and then but and but also that only buffs other corn units. So if you had a a demon prince that's that's devoted to corn, and you know he's 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 hanging out next to you know some some chaos knights, and they're devoted to slanesh, then. Then they his, don't get it. His buff won't affect them. Okay. Yep. So it also helps you sort of keep uh, keep keep the lines pure, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, trying to keep your army to devoted to a specific god. Because once again, once they start to mingle, they don't do as well together because they start fighting amongst each other. Which, honestly, yep. if suddenly my guys are working and they don't buff their other guys because they're from another god and suddenly they're not doing as well and then they lose the fight, uh, or if they're losing the fight, the, uh, yeah, I'd get mad. I'd start backstabbing. Well, if you were following my my god, then we would be doing better. So I can <laughs> see, it, it, lore-wise, it makes sense. All right, so what do you get if you're Zinch? So uh, for Zinch, you can reroll save rolls of one for attacks that target friendly slaves of darkness. Zinch units wholly within twelve, and let's see. If and if you general. are, if it's a general, uh, it's let's see. A unit wholly within twelve is affected by. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, this is good. Actually, this is okay. yeah. of course it makes sense. It's Zinch, so. Uh, reroll so, yeah. saves for one, but if you're the general, then if you're if the if this model is affected by a spell or endless spell, you can ignore the effects on a five up. Yeah, so that, that's pretty good actually. Mm -hmm. So it gives you like a feel no pain against against spells. It's pretty 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 good. Yeah. Uh, if you're Nurgle, um. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with a melee weapon uh, by a friendly Nurgle unit is a six, it's plus one damage. All right, so wounds of six do plus one damage. If it's the general, minus one to hit them with uh, missile weapon attacks. Oh, that's... Missile attacks, yep. Okay, because mm -hmm. yeah, because they're Nurgle, they're resilient, and and missile weapons are generally not as powerful, so it's going to be harder even to hurt them because they're Nurgle. Okay, and then yep. what about Slanesh? So in, in Slanesh, if uh, you're within twelve of of the hero, uh, a roll of six scores two hits on the target instead of just one. Okay, and if they're the general, and for the the general, you can reroll run and charge rolls, which is is really good. Oh, okay. And that's if you're Slanesh. And then if you're Chaos Undivided, no battle shock tests wholly within 12. And if it's the general, roll a die each time you allocate a wound. They get a six-up uh, ward save against wounds and mortal wounds. Mm-hmm. This is really well written. I like this. Like, I like... So, Corn gets the extra attacks and the extra wounds, obviously, Zinch gets the better saves and can stop the being affected by magic. Makes sense. Uh, 
Nurgle, if it wounds on a six, gets extra, but also it's harder to hit them with missile weapons. Slanesh is mm-hmm. faster, and if they get a six to attack, they get double hits. Why? Because they're faster. And then Chaos just, they don't run, and uh, and they get, uh, this is, I like this. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, then and, there's, yeah. and if you look at all of those, there, there's, there, you could take any one of those and make any one of those be really good. There's not really one that, to me, is is amazingly better than, than the others. There's it's really just kind of based on how how you're you know, what units you're picking and what kind of build you're going about is what you're going to pick. And it feels like there's something for everybody's playstyle there. Yeah, that's what's really great is if you know if you if you are the I'm just going to run in and chop the heck out of everything. You can go with corn if you like to be a little more defensive. You've got Nurgle. Uh, you know, there's something there for every playstyle, which is really cool. Um, they still have the Eye of the Gods table, so uh, the rule for Eye of the Gods, if you got, if for anyone who doesn't know, at the end of the combat phase, if any attacks made by a friendly Slaves to Darkness hero that has the Eye of the Gods keyword destroyed an enemy hero or monster in that phase, you can make a roll on the table below for that hero. Rewards gained by rolling on this table apply for the rest of the battle. Duplicates are treated by snub by the gods. So every time one of your heroes kills another hero or a monster, you roll on this chart. Uh, now, you don't want to roll a two because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, snake eyes in and, and you're a spawn. Yeah, uh, set up a Slaves <laughs> to Darkness spawn, uh, chaos spawn model within an inch of the hero, and then you get rid of the hero. Um, yeah, they turn you oh. into a chaos spawn, which is just the worst. Uh, but or, or he suffers D3 mortal wounds, and I, I like that they put that in there because if you don't have a spawn model you know you can just have them take one to the face or if you do it's it, i mean it literally <laughs> says if you do not add a chaos spawn to your army so you can opt okay i've got seven mm-hmm. wounds no i'm not going to become a spawn i'm just going to take d3 mortals mm-hmm. which is cool because turning your big awesome general on a manticore who just slaughtered something into a, a little spawn would just i would be so pissed that's gonna hurt yeah <laughs> I like that they added that in there. Uh, and there's other stuff. Let's see. Um, pick a melee weapon, improve the rend. Uh, pick a melee weapon, add to the attack, plus one to save rolls. Uh, four up to ignore spell effects. Um, and then seven, obviously the most common roll, just has nothing. This, the, I, killed a, <laughs> I killed a hero. Check me out. Gods are like looking in the other direction. What? I didn't see that. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I love what it's called, snubbed by the gods. It's like, you know, they they, they kind of look at what you're you're doing over there, like, oh, oh, nice, and, yeah, and the, whatever. The description is great. <laughs> the gods demand more from the champion before granting their boon. You killed that guy. <laughs> you killed that guy. That five wound, five up save guy. Nah, no, you're not getting a reward for him. Forget you. Try harder next time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't fancy enough. Um, now the interesting thing is when you get up to the high rolls. Um, mm-hmm. The demonic legions add a. If you roll a nine or a ten, you can add a unit. Um, depending on their mark of chaos, it's got to be wholly within twelve inches of the hero and more than nine inches from the enemy units. So if you can't do that, I'm assuming you can't put it down. 
Correct. But you're talking about either 10 blood letters, plague bearers, demonettes, pink horrors, and if you're undivided, you get six furies, which kind of seems like, mm -hmm. And it says, hey, look, if you're going to play undivided, you're not going to get, <laughs> they're not going to be as nice to you. Um, yeah. yeah, the furies aren't aren't so great, but I mean. But still a nine you, or you a could ten. You could, yeah, you could throw them on an, on an objective. I, I, I'm, hey, if I roll it, I'll take it. I mean, yeah, you know, um, but getting a whole extra unit for killing a hero. Now, granted, it depends on how many heroes your opponent has. It's not always easy. This isn't something that's going to be coming down a whole bunch of times in the game. I mean, it can. Yeah. I mean, I know when I play against Brandon, when he's got his uh, his uh, Skaven, I mean, that guy's got the full complement of six six heroes in his 2,000-point army. There's a good chance I can get a couple of rolls on this if I play it right. Um, well, and if it's is, a hero or a monster, there there are some armies that oh, are just crazy loaded with monsters. So that that's, could that's true. That could work out in your favor. Uh, and then the last one, if you roll an eleven or twelve, dark apotheosis. The champion has repeatedly excelled themselves in the eyes of their patron, and to them has bestowed the dark glory of demonhood. This is where you put a demon prince down and then take the hero from play. They do not count as slain. Um, the other one, it does count as their slain, which I guess matters when you're chalking up points, you know, for how many, how, how many points you killed. Um, if the hero's undivided, the demon prince must pick a keyword. Yeah. Uh, or he has to have the same mark as the hero he had. The demon prince keeps any command traits and artifacts of power that the hero had. If the hero's a wizard, the demon prince is a wizard and can do the same castings. Uh, if you don't set it up a, a demon prince, you can heal D3 wounds. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I mean, once again, you may not want to trade your big your big chaos lord on a giant mount for a demon prince. You may not decide that. So you heal. But the little chaos ward lord on foot? The lord on foot, you would, yeah, you'd take that in a heartbeat. Or an exalted that's, hero is, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's especially if he, he's keeping his command ability and anything else that you might have thrown on him, because I mean that Chaos Lord on foot, his command ability is great. Well, we might get to that later. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like like I said, th this is the type of stuff that really gets me excited for this army, though. Just like, yeah. and I know, you know, I'm, I'm I I may only get to roll this once in a while, and I'm probably going to roll a bunch of sevens and just have them snub me completely. <laughs> But just the potential there, you know, that's, you know, we play this game and it's not just we're playing the game. I mean, it, it, I, I, I talk with Christopher sometimes about games we played 12 years ago. You know, like when we were playing Orcs and Goblins back in 7th edition Warhammer and, um, you know, you'd have to roll on this on the chart and on a 6 they would just charge the closest thing. And he had this unit of goblins that just kept charging this elf dragon. And they charged the elf dragon. And then the elf dragon would kick him in the teeth and they would run. And then they would stop running. They would, they would make their bravery check. They would stop running. And then they rolled a six again. And they just, every time you'd have to roll to see what they did, they just kept charging this dragon. And it was the craziest thing. It was just this big unit of little weedy goblins who you didn't want to attack this dragon because he just kept destroying decimating them and making them run but they spent the whole game tying up this stupid dragon because they just kept running it's those little bits of stories that like something like this on the eye at the gods table has a potential of making 
and that just makes for the fun the fun in the game. Um, okay, so they got. Uh, was there anything you wanted to talk about specifically in the different spells or anything like that? I didn't necessarily feel. <sighs> There's so much in this book, like, and we have four different. Uh, groups and they each have their own battle traits and their command traits and their artifacts of power. Um, I'd rather just kind of talk about the battle traits and maybe skip over the command traits and the artifacts of power. Not because I don't okay. care, but because a lot of it's basic and um, th- this is just, it's going to take us another three hours to go through a bunch of rules. It's not like anyone's going to remember mm-hmm. it hearing us talk about it. You know what I'm saying? But the general, the, like the gist of the army, and this is where I need you, Big Jake. Big Jake, um, I want to go through the battle traits, but then if there's anything that like, oh no, this command trait or this artifact of power, like if you're playing this, this thing is, you know, if there's something I should know about or that the listeners really should know about, please by all means point it out. Okay. Because I'm yeah. just kind of going through this stuff and going like, eh, you know, this looks cool to me, but I haven't played it, so that's what I'm relying on you for. Yeah, and the, yeah, and so the the battle traits and the command abilities. Uh, for those factions are, are really what give your army that specific flavor. And yeah, they, yeah, we should, pro- we should definitely talk about them because that's really what matters and is, is going to make you kind of decide what units you're going to build your, your army around when, when you get to it. All so right, cool. Oh, well let's do yeah. this then. Uh, let's start with the ravagers. They're the first one in the book. Okay. Um, do you mind if I kind of go through the rules and then you could tell us what's cool about it? Because once again, that'll make it probably easier since I have no idea what makes it cool. I just know what okay. I like. All right. Uh, so let's see. Now, this this one kind of confused me at first. And then I was like, wait, no, I like this. So if your general is not a demon prince. So the whole right off the bat, the whole basis of this is not taking a demon prince with your ravagers, per se, because uh-huh. the whole ability comes from having... So you can pick a command trait for up to five different friendly Ravager heroes, excluding Demon Princes. So you can have one in the army, but it can't be your general to use this, and um, if you do have one, it doesn't get any of these benefits. So up to five different friendly Ravager heroes can have one of these six command traits. In addition to the command trait, your general can have. So... If you have a general and then... So if you have the full complement, 2,000 points, if you have six heroes and none of them are demon princes, each of them, you can have one of them can have all... All six of these command traits can be can be used, basically. Because... Yes. They, okay. Um, I mean, you, you're still going to have to have the command points to... To use those, it. To use it. So, but what that basically does is allow you to... To, to basically build your army in in different pockets, so so you can take just a bunch of units of of marauders or or whatever it is that you you have that you're putting on the table and center that that unit around a hero to have that hero uh, you know give them buffs from those command traits and and you know if if you really need uh, you know them to to do work on a specific objective or something that's where you have that that command trait pop and really make those guys fight harder so well, and, and these command traits yeah. don't they do they these things don't need command points 
in fact, the only one that, that would need command points, it says you don't have to spend it. You can use it once without spending it. So giving yeah. them to these guys actually seems like a, a huge bonus. So you can have them all have it. You must pick a different command trait for each hero. None of them can have more than one command trait, and you can use them for heroes even though they're not the general. So we'll go over the command yeah. traits in the beginning in a minute. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So you're hearing hero phase. You get to pick one of those Ravenger heroes to to stake their claim as a warlord and and that's where they get to, to use that that command trait. So you get to pick one that that gets to to basically step in and 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 be the the warlord. Yeah, this because like I said, this this is really cool because they can use the command traits even though they're not the general. It says it right here. Mm -hmm. And then at the start of your hero phase, so I've got one guy who's the general. At the start of my hero phase, I can pick one of the friendly heroes that's not a demon prince and has given been given a command trait, and he can be like, okay, I'm the general now. And if he does that, mm -hmm. then he becomes the general to your next phase. Now, the, now here's the command ability thing. Um a Ravager general has the command ability, uh, rallying the tribes. You can use this command ability at the end of your movement phase. If you do so, pick the model that is currently your general. The same model cannot be picked more than once per battle. So you would literally, you could do this every turn, but you would have to change who's the general every turn. Mm -hmm. Right? That model rallies either 10 Chaos Marauders, 5 Marauder Horsemen, or 1 Cultist Unit, up to 10 models onto the battlefield within six inches of the edge and more than nine inches from the enemy units. So you can literally pull up. I mean, like I said, if you're playing a Marauder army, you can just kind of let the different guys take over as, as being in charge and, and every unit, every turn be pulling up a small unit of Marauders or cultists. I think, yeah, and, I think and that's the really cool. Are, are any of those, yeah, the, the cultists are those war cry, war bands, and and they're. You Do you know, know how long it took me to figure to that out? That. Do you know how long it took me to figure <laughs> that out? I kept looking at keywords for cultists and couldn't find anyone. Then as I'm reading the book, I'm like, oh wait. Then I got to the part where it was like, oh wait, that's all the war cry war bands. But they've all got a. I mean, they're they're not super tough per se per for their stats, but they've all got a different special rule. But mm -hmm. if you think about, it, even if you think chaos marauders. You could literally, over five turns, summon five ten-man units of Chaos Marauders, adding them to the battle. That's a yeah, that's nothing 50 to Marauders or 25 yeah. Marauder Horsemen. That's mm -hmm. And plus, then it's like you've got all these warlords all fighting to be the general, and they all keep taking command of the, of the, as you're switching around. And the, and the command traits, so I could literally have all six of these command traits. One of them has plus two wounds. Uh, one of them once per turn, and they can all use these at any time. But this just this is what they'll have. One of them once per turn can use at the double forward to victory or inspiring presence without a command point if the unit that they're using it on, uh, or no, uh, without if the friendly unit is a cultist unit within. Tw so yeah, so I, if yeah. you have cultists out there, he can once per turn can can use uh, something without a command point. One of the guys. Yeah, but, can, I, so you can't you can't use that on on the horsemen, but it, it yeah, it'd be good for to get after if you've summoned a, a you know a unit of cultists and and now you want to get them onto an objective, you know that helps you to do that. Now, can you have uh, now are cultists on the list? Yeah, you can just take them though. You can just have a unit. 
Yeah. You don't even have to summon them. In fact, most of them are only about 70 points for a unit. Of yeah, they're 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 good filler units for sure. Yeah. If, okay. If you just got that those, those few points left, you know, eighty or or whatever so points I've got, at the end of. I got one hero with a couple extra wounds. I got one hero who's 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 boosting cultists for free every turn. I got one hero who's adding or subtracting two from the results of any rolls that he makes on the eye of the gods table. Um, I got one guy who can reroll wounds. Reroll attack uh, wounds for attacks and reroll hit rolls if uh, if he's attacking order. I got one guy who um, uh, sixes to wound does an extra mortal wound, and I got another guy who is uh, minus one to hit him in melee. So they're all I mean they're the basic command traits, but now all of my heroes are getting one too. Like and like they're all getting one. This is. Mm-hmm. This was a list I, I kind of liked writing with just a bunch of little heroes on foot, and this is where I wrote just with tons of marauders and marauder horsemen and just, you know, your basic uh, screaming, screaming, ravaging, uh, <laughs> crazy hordes. Um, were there mm-hmm. any artifacts that stood out that you're like, oh, dude, if you're going to play these guys, you got to take this one? Um, You know, if I look at the artifacts, I've got to say that what is it? The mark of the high favored is probably the one I would take. That's the one I was looking at too. Are affected by the bears aura of chaos if they're within eighteen, so it extends that aura by by six inches. And yeah, that really helps out because those auras are pretty pretty powerful. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what that's what I would go with. That's the one I liked too. All right, cool. So that's if you're picking ravagers, lots of marauders, lots of cultists. That's your that's your lots of bodies army. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And now if you're going with Kabbalists, Kabbalists, uh, their battle traits, blood sorcery, and black rituals. Um, first, you start off with, at the start of your hero phase, you can pick one Kabbalist wizard to do one of the following rituals. And you got two rituals here. One is the ritual of sorceress might pick a friendly Kabbalist unit within three inches of the wizard. Uh, and roll a die. On a three-up, uh, you kill D3 models in that unit, and for each <laughs> model that was killed, you add one to the casting rolls made for friendly Kabbalist wizards until the end of the phase. So, And it's not friendly Kabbalist wizards within an air range. So if yeah. if I get off this thing, and if I've got a, another a, 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 some a, a, like, a, like a nice marauder group that's got a lot of models in it, I roll that, I kill D3. If I roll a five or a six, I take three marauders off, and every wizard's at plus three to cast in that in my army for that turn. Yeah, and there's nothing your opponent can do to stop it. It just either goes off on a three up or it doesn't. Oh, that's so. that's kind of good. Um, yeah. Or you can pick a friendly unit within three, and on a three up, you kill D3 models. Again, <laughs> and then you pick a predatory endless spell within twelve inches of the wizard. If one, one, if you killed one model, you can move it up to three inches. If you killed two models, you can move it six inches, and if you killed three models, you can move it nine inches. That one seems uh, a little um, more situational, obviously. Um, 
because if you're playing with someone who doesn't have endless spells or someone who's not casting too many. Now, if you have your own, that's fine. If you, yeah, if you've already put one on the table, then it becomes a little bit more useful. But uh, um, I love that you're just killing off your own. This is this is back to that old, uh, the old uh, dark elf, where you could just the, the, <laughs> the, the sacrificial dagger. I need to boost this. I'm just going to kill this guy and give myself a boost. Um, I love it. And then they all know this extra spell. All Kabbalist wizards know the Crippling Ruin, which goes off on a 7. Pick an enemy unit within 18 invisible. Not wholly, just within 18 invisible. They take D3 mortals. In addition, reduce the move characteristic by the number of mortals inflicted by the spell until your next hero phase. So you can slow them down anywhere from 1 to 3 inches as well as doing... D3 mortals. That's fantastic. That's so much fun. Mm-hmm. I love when you get to mess with people's movement. It just makes it nice because um, that's such an important phase of the game. And when you can mess with it, it's just so dumb. Um, anything else that sticks out with these guys that we should really know about? Or, I mean, I'm just, it's um, just yeah. a lot of magic stuff. Yeah. yeah, a lot of magic stuff. And maybe it's just maybe I'm a little bit more corn minded. And and you know that doesn't interest me as much, but it I I think you can have a lot of fun with it, uh, you know for sure. It and w- I mean, what's more fun than you know your your guy sacrificing, uh, you know, units of his own army just to to make his his magic better? That's just, just well, it's, and that's right in the lore, right? He doesn't care about yeah. that stuff. Um, I did mm-hmm. notice two of the command traits. Um, you, the the two the ritual of might, which is the one that increases their their uh, their casting role. Yeah, and then the ritual corruption. Yeah, mighty ritualist, which slows them down. You got mighty ritualist and blasphemous influence. So you can actually pick a command trait. There's two command traits, and there one for each of these that makes it happen on a two plus, not a three plus. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's I, I I'd have my guy would have that mighty I did that sorceress might because why not. Do that, and you can bu- and you get at least a plus one, possibly a plus three to all your casting. If you've got a bunch of wizards on the table, that's fantastic. That pays off in spades because it's just for all of them. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Uh, wait for yeah for each model that was slain, add one to the casting. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Um, so you, I mean, you could really, really buff up your your magic. I mean, there there are certain armies where you kind of kind of need that because they're going to do magic better than you if you're you're up against the the you know disciples of Zinch or or uh, you know Teclas or or someone like that. If if you can do things to buff up your your magic and make your rolls better, that's it's only going to help you. Nagash, if, if you're playing, who's getting his plus well, three to dispel in the beginning of the game, and you're like, well, well, you just got a plus three to cast on everything. So poo poo on you. Yeah, and you're not spending 880 points for yep. a wizard. <laughs> yep. All right, now we get to the despoilers. All right? Ooh, ooh, yeah. Now, this is the one that you're going to have to talk to me about because, like I said, my lists were all I – ca- I didn't make a uh, Kabbalist list, although I, I wanted to. I, like I said, I kept it with the Ravagers, but that's just because I love my I love my corn models. So I'm not corn, my uh, Chaos Warrior models. So despoilers, let's see. They have – their first thing is Sacrilegious Might. Friendly units with mm-hmm. the same mark of chaos are affected by your general's aura wholly within 15. So right off the bat, or wholly within 18. 
18, yeah. So right off the bat, they're getting a boost to their keyword. In addition, roll a die each time you allocate a wound or mortal wound to a despoiler demon prince. That is a general on a five up. Okay, so this is where you pick Bellacor, right? Yeah, that's kind of yeah, locking in your your choice to either take a demon prince or or Bellacor, because why would you not want that? Yeah, so you got a five up ward against wounds and mortal wounds, and uh, Bellacor is undivided. So as we said, suddenly all units is it holy within? I'm going back to look. All yeah, units within, holy yeah, within with eighteen uh, do, do not take battle shock tests and got a six up. Ward save for wounds or mortal wounds. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Um, then in your hero phase, you can roll a die for each friendly despoilers, demon prince, and monster on the battlefield. On a four up, they heal up to D3 wounds. Uh, just one for the mutilith vortex beats, though, because he's already got something that heals wounds. He- yeah. So you're healing wounds on all your demon princes and your monsters. Oh, this is just going to be a, this is this is just a menagerie army, isn't it? Yeah, and it's yeah, it's just making them harder to kill in <laughs> in multiple ways. Uh what else is on here? If a friendly despoiler demon prince finishes a move within six inches of a terrain feature, you can give that the pitch black and nightmare chasm scenery rules below until your next hero phase. Uh the demon princes and the monsters on your army are unaffected by these scenery rules. So basically I get within six inches of terrain feature. Uh, oftentimes one that maybe my enemy is already in the terrain feature. Uh, you get pitch black. Models are not visible to each other if an imaginary straight line one millimeter wide drawn between the closest points of the two models crosses over more than an inch of this terrain feature. So you can move into it and make it pitch black, and then you're just like, oh, you can't shoot at me, you can't attack me, you can't see me. Nice. Yeah, you could just have them, have them be next to scatter terrain, and now you can't see them. Oh. <sighs> And then Nightmare Chasm. At the start of each hero phase, roll a die for the terrain feature. On a six, each unit within an inch suffers D3 mortal wounds. Unless you're a demon prince or a monster, you get to ignore this. So this is this is actually pretty cool for... Oh, this could be a lot. Okay, I can already see how this could be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they have a lot of the same uh, thing. Uh, you know, the the plus two wounds, minus one bravery, all that stuff. The um, the interesting thing is that the two of them in the command traits is you can pick a friendly unit wholly within 18 inches of them, and on a three-up you can uh, heal D3 wounds allocated to that unit, which is not bad, or that make that uh, the Twisted Dominion where you make it uh, pitch black and nightmare chasm. You can make it if they are within nine inches of it. So I was like, "Oh, okay." You just got to get you, that's that's actually kind of a big difference between being six inches and nine inches away. I mean, suddenly you get a, yeah. That's a lot of range, especially because they have big bases. You can really mess with people's terrain and territory. So that's the big. Oh, and then there's host of the ever chosen. I'm sorry, we forgot that one. And I want to talk about that, and then we're probably going to have to take a break. It's been another 45 minutes. Okay. Um, all right, host of the Ever Chosen, last one. If Archeon's your general and on the battlefield, friendly... Okay, so his are affected by his aura of chaos ability wholly within 18 inches of him. Now, 
if you're Archeon, if he's got all of them, how does that work? Because it says, uh, if you select a unit with more than one Mark of Chaos keyword to be part of your army, you must pick which one will apply for that unit for the duration of the battle. Does that count as him? Or how does Archeon work with this? Does the, Or does just whatever that unit is around him, they get it because he's got all of them? He, yeah, he gets to be all of them. So if yeah, if you have a, a unit of chaos warriors, and and their corn, then matchy matchy, they get to you know do whatever corn lets them do. And it's within eighteen inches of him. Mm hmm. Okay. Wow. Okay, and that works literally for all. Okay, I mean, that makes sense. That's really good. Okay, let's see. You don't take. Yeah. You don't take Battleshock test if Archeon's on the... Just period. If Archeon's yep. on the battlefield, you don't take Battleshock test for any friendly units. Okay. No, there's no range. There, yeah, it's no, just, you just don't. because It's called Fearless in His Presence. <laughs> Honestly, you figure these guys, they're the only thing on the battlefield they are afraid of is probably Archeon, right? Yeah, they're not going to run because what will Archeon do to them is going to be worse than anything that could happen from these people attacking. So they just don't run. Okay. Um, in your hero phase, if Archeon's your general on the battlefield, pick an enemy unit on the battlefield. If you do so, you can reroll hit and wound rolls for one for attacks made by melee weapons by friendly units that target that unit till the end of your next hero phase. That works, and then you get this command ability. You can use this at the start of your hero phase if Archeon is your general on the battlefield. Roll a die and keep the result hidden from your opponent. At the start of the next battle round, before players determine who has the first turn, you can reveal the result. On a 1-3, to three, the opponent must take the first turn in the battle round. On a 4-6... to six. So you roll this, and then if you like the roll, if it works for you, you can reveal it at the start and be like, alright, that's it. This it is says you happening. can reveal the result, so it's it's up to you whether you want it to, to go off or not. So if it's worth spending the command point for you, you mm -hmm. might be able, especially if you're going, if you want to get that double turn. You know, if you're if you're second on that, I'd be rolling that. Just be like, okay, because if I get that, I'm definitely, uh, can, I can make that choice. Oh, that's. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got the eight circles of the Varengard. And you have to, it says if you're given the, uh, if you're host of the Ever Chosen, you must choose one keyword from the list below, and all Varengard's unit gain that keyword. And um, there's eight circles, and they give them all, like, you know, the eighth circle, they can all fly. Oh, getting the Varengard to fly. That's actually, that's the shortest rule, and that is really actually pretty good. I, I've got to take the sixth circle if I'm given the choice there. Add one to the damage inflicted by attacks made with melee weapons. By six circle units, so all of your that, Baron guards that charged in the same turn. So on the turn they charge is plus one damage. Mm hmm. So when they charge, they get plus one damage on top of whatever damage they're already doing, and you know they've got a boatload of attacks. So yeah, they they just become murder machines on the charge. That's really cool. That's kind of cool. Now, and I said there is a now there's a, of course there's eight battalions. Not including the worst, the Chaos Horde, which is the one champion of Ruin, and then four to eight other War Scrolls. But these War Scroll battalions, um, you know, there's four of them. There's one that's it's a, 
a corn hero and eight corn units or a zinch hero and nine zinch units. There's those different ones that give them all bonuses you know, for that one. But there's this one, Overlords of Chaos, three to six, host of the ever-chosen Varengard units. And the whole ability in this battalion, for 120 cheap little points, you can give each unit one of the following keywords. And so you can have each unit be a different circle. Yep. Which I think is really cool if you really want to sit there and be like, well, these guys are going to do this, and these guys are going to do this, and these guys are going to do this. Um, Because there's some cool stuff in here. But I just, I mean, and I know flying is not all that necessarily that special, but the Varengard are already, uh, what do you call Mm -hmm. it? These guys are moving how far off the bat? So that, yeah, they got a they got a ten inch move. So if, if you want them to be able to charge over terrain, you know, and yeah, that that that's how they do that trick. So that's pretty good. All right, so um, yeah, you know what? Let's do this. Now that we've gotten through all of those guys, let's take a break. Come back, talk about a couple of key units like Archeon himself and the Varengard. Let's definitely talk about Bellacor. And then let's talk about some lists that we're building. Because um, I say, I know you play more narrative. And I'm just, like I said, I, I know my list is definitely narrative because I, I don't necessarily know that it's uh, by any means uh, optimal. But boy, it looks like fun for me. So, folks, we will be back uh, in just a few moments. Grognards. That's right, friends. Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, and at grognardgames.com. They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons & Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. They've got a huge pre-owned section, and you can find it on grognardgames.com or in the store. Now, you can't play in the store right now. Still got to have social distancing protocols, and if I got to stay more than six feet away from you, probably can't play a game of Magic. Probably going to be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either, but you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards. Because if the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're going to need stuff. And you can find it at Grognards. And why? You know why. Because there's always something happening at Grognards. And we are back. Yes, we are. And now... Now, folks, let's get into some of these. Some okay, how, there is like a bajillion entries in here, by the way, uh, for these different um, for these all the different units. In fact, how many different units are listed in here? Let's see. I'm just going to quick count them. There are two, four, six, nine, twelve, fifteen. 18, oh, this just keeps going. 22, 24, 26, 27, 
five. There are 40 units and three uh, endless spell war scrolls. Yet we're not doing yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Just not but happening. But, you know, it, you've got options. You've got so many options, and that's what's what's great. It's not, you know, it's not some fresh new army that... That has only you know, 10 only units, has, and... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and four of them are, are heroes. Yeah, okay. I yeah, hear what you These guys you're have saying. been around the block. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and the Varengard, we'll talk about them in a bit, but just, just to give you some options. If you don't, let's say you don't want to spend the... However many, what is it, 800 points for Archeon, I think? Yeah, 800. So you got Archeon, you got his Varengard. You could take a Gaunt Summoner, a Zinch on a disc. You could take a Chaos Lord on a Manticore, a Chaos Sorcerer Lord on a Manticore, Chaos Lord on a Demonic Mount, which is, uh, is, is I think, my personal, I, I, I know maybe rules-wise, Chaos Lord on Demonic Mount is my personal favorite. Just a guy in heavy armor with a, with a horse with heavy armor, too. Uh, and mm -hmm. that's that old school, old cast lord with demonic mount model. I love it. Um, you can also be a cast lord on a Karkadrak, cast lord on foot, sorcerer lord on foot, exalted hero of chaos, which is the old what's his name model, the guy who uh, he used to be able to just summon up a bunch of marauders around him. He was the guy who was cursed to fight everybody because he said he could beat anyone in hand to hand combat. Oh, God, what's his name? He got a book and everything. Oh, what's his name? Oh, I feel so bad. Uh, now I'm blanking on it. Wolfric. Wolfric. Wolfric the Wanderer. That's it. That's the Wolfric the Wanderer model is the picture for the Exalted Hero of Chaos. Um, you can also take an Ogroid Myrmidon. There's Bellacor uh, and a regular Demon Prince. The Dark Oath War Queen, the Dark Oath Chieftain. These are still all just your heroes. And I think, uh, oh, and uh, Thedra Skull, Scryer. And I think that's it for the heroes. I think that's it for the heroes. That's a lot of heroes. There's so many yeah. options. Um, yeah, so if you're doing Ravagers, you can go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could pick – and like I said, you could just take the cheapy guy, the cheaper guys, just the ones that can go on foot because those guys mm -hmm. – I mean, you got leaders. Let's see. Uh you know, a Chaos Sorcerer Lord is 110 points. A Chaos Lord is 110 points. If you want to go on foot, you could literally have 660 points. Less than the cost of Archaon, you could have six guys on on just on foot. Um, you want to put them on mounts? You could. Oh, the one on Demonic Mounts, only 170. That's 60 extra points. I'd have a couple of those, man. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Uh, exalted hero of chaos. You want to have your, your just your basic hero. He's he's under a hundred points. This is actually pretty cool to me um, for a guy who wants to bulk him out. Now, um, yeah. do we do we want to go over Archeon and the Varengard? Should we do that since those guys are the guys? And you can oh, yeah. really make I mean, an army of just that if you wanted to. Yeah, and he takes up the whole page. He oh, does. My it's ridiculous. Yeah. He's, I mean, and you actually, you, yeah, because Archeon's 800, a unit of three Varengard who become battle line if you're host of the Everchosen is also 300. So three battle line units will be nine plus him eight. So that's 1,700. 
if you're gonna take the Gaunt Summoner of Zinch on a disc to make, because that was originally, remember the Archeon book, that was the only three units. He's two sixty, mm -hmm. so that's right there, and you're forty points short of full. Uh, maybe you don't want to take him. Maybe you just want to take a different uh, Sorcerer Lord that's uh, not on a disc. But everyone else in this army moves so fast, you kind of need it at that point. Because Archeon's starting to move at 14 inches. The Varengard are moving 10. You don't want your little Sorcerer Lord to get stuck in the back by himself and killed. All right, so Archeon. He has the Slayer of Kings, and then all the other attacks are from Dorgar. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so Arcan has 20 wounds. He's got a 3-up save. His bravery 10, obviously. He starts at a 14-inch move and drops down to 6-inch move if he's taken a bunch of wounds. Um, Attacks-wise, 4 attacks from the Slayer of Kings with 2 rend and 3 damage. That's still pretty darn good. 2s yeah. uh, mm -hmm. by 3s, so he's He's smashing with that. Dorgar comes in with two attacks from his claws, twos by threes with two rend with D6 damage. So his claws actually can do technically more damage than the Slayer of Kings, but Slayer of Kings has all sorts of extra little powers and stuff too. Uh, mm -hmm. Two D6 attacks from the tail, fours by threes, one damage. The heads start off with six attacks, drop down to two, threes by threes, one rend, two damage. There is a the potential damage... Just straight up from the attacks on this is what? Uh, 12, 24, 36, 48 damage potential from Archeon. Uh, yeah, the odds of that happening are pretty, pretty I mean, slim. But, that's, but I'm just he, saying. He puts out a lot of damage. He, yeah, yeah he, there's just a lot of attacks and a lot of potential damage. Okay. Um. So his armor, every time you lo oh, allocate a wound or a mortal wound, no, uh, no, just mortal wound, sorry. Every time you do a mortal wound um, on a four up, you ignore it. But if you roll a six, not only do you ignore it, but you bounce one mortal wound back on whoever attacked you. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, plus two bravery for all friendly units wholly within 12 inches of, of Archaeon. Minus two bravery for enemy units while within 12 inches not holy you gotta the, the boost you gotta be holy in the penalty to your enemy you just gotta have one guy within 12 inches and that's enough to spread terror throughout your whole group well and and, and the boost might not even matter because if you're taking him as your general he's gonna make it so nobody runs away anyway but but this is for chaos units so that even includes if you've got other units allied in it's just anything with the chaos keyword Oh, that's true. He's boosting. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Eye of Shirian. Oh, this is really good, especially with all the things that do mortals on sixes. Um, if you attack him, enemy units that target this model, so attacks, that's all attacks. That's that's melee and ranged. Uh, Reroll hit rolls of six. Mm -hmm. So that's your Eye of Shirian. Uh, Shirian. So that's that's actually really cool, too. Um, yeah, you, your opponent's going to hate that one. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, you got to reroll those sixes. Sorry. Um, mm -hmm. Every time this model is affected by a spell or an endless spell, you can choose to roll a die and on a four up ignore the effects of the spell or endless spell. So, 
he's got a 50-50% a 50-50 chance of completely ignoring any magic against him. You're rerolling sixes to hit against him. And you're not as brave. And if you are throwing mortal wounds at him, he's got a 50-50 shot of ignoring that as well. Plus a one in six shot of bouncing it back on you. Um, Let's see. Slayer of Kings. If the unmodified wound roll for two attacks that target the same enemy hero in the same phase with the Slayer of Kings is six, that hero is slain. So he gets four attacks with the Slayer of Kings. If he wounds... Mm -hmm. And two of those wound rolls are sixes. You just die. Yeah. Now it there doesn't are, matter how many wounds you got. You have it doesn't matter what your save is. You're just you're just dead. Now there are yep. some models that have those rules that if they would just be slain outright instead, they just take so much death, like the like the sons of Bayamont and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that's just that's scary. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, let's see what else uh, at the start of your hero phase. Dorgar can draw upon his demonic might, and if so, choose an effect. And oh, see, even Dorgar gets a bunch of stuff here. So um, at the start of your hero phase, you can do one of these things. Um, and oh, if there's no—I'm looking at this. There's no reason not to. You just pick one of these things. Every it doesn't say that yeah. you have to pick different ones. Okay, so uh, at the start of the hero phase, Dorgar can do this: pick an enemy unit within twelve and roll a die on a three-up. It takes D three mortals. You can heal D three wounds. So mm-hmm. wait, so Dorgar, so you could just heal D three wounds to Archeon every turn. You can heal D three, and if that if you've been bracketed and you want to, you know, pop them up into a higher bracket, you know, the, uh, go for it. Yeah, and then the final one is to dispel uh, an endless spell within eighteen inches. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't even realize that. Um. Oh, at the start of the... If this model's on the battlefield at the start of your... So you get an extra command point every hero phase. Yep. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Obviously, Archaon has been a commander and a general for eons. Um, He can cast two spells. He can unbind two spells. He knows Arcane Bolt and Mystic Shield. Uh, Plus, Mm -hmm. obviously, a spell from whatever that book is. Uh, or whatever the spell list is. Um, and his command ability is called By My Will. Pick a friendly slaves unit on the battlefield until the end of the battle round. If a model from that unit is slain by a melee weapon, it can fight before it's removed from play. That's good. Um, so, yeah, so if you attack first to any models you killed before I remove them, I get to attack back with them. That's, uh, that works. Uh, and okay, then, but, but you've got to use it in the hero phase, though. That's, that's the trick. So you've got to kind of predict... Oh, okay. In the hero phase, yeah. So pick a unit, but you know when they're—I mean, when they're in battle, you know, yeah, the guys you, that are you, most likely to. You know who's going to get hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. let's see, uh, all-seeing dominion. Use this command ability when your opponent spends a command point. If you do so, roll a dice before resolving the effect of any command ability that command point is spent on. On a one, it has on a two up. This model can use by my will above without a command point being spent, even if it's not the hero phase, and even if it, that command ability has already been used. Oh, okay. So you use a <laughs> command point. I can spend a command point. Mm-hmm. Roll a die, 
And then on a two up, I can use by my will uh, whenever. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, he's 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 got so much bookkeeping though. As as you're playing that, there's so much stuff that he can do. How are how are you going to remember? <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, I, I, I would have to. I would have sticky notes all over the table, Dave, just to, to remember all the stuff he does. This is one of those things he's a, that uh, he's a chainsaw. Yeah, but this is one of those things that I, you know, Rob Symes would be like, you know what? Just you're going to have to memorize this if you want to play him. Just learn it so that mm-hmm. way you know it. Because um, a lot of this stuff is 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 just stuff that you you would you would learn that would just come in, come into play, you know um, the mortal wounds on a four up. You just start to remember those, but yeah. he does have a lot. And then his Varen guard come in with him, and these guys are no slouches either. They got they only have five, only have five wounds with a three up save and a nine bravery. Mm-hmm. They move ten. Now they can. Either have ensorcelled weapons, the fell spear, or the demon forged blade. Do you have a preference for any of these for any particular reason? I'm curious. Oh, I, you know, if I look at those options, you know, I, I think I'm going with the demon forged blade. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So on average, each of those is going to do about two damage. Right. You know, threes and threes. Uh. I mean, the fell spear looks okay, but th- th- those guys are going to charge. So having a two-inch reach really isn't going to make a difference. It, if 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 there's two-inch range versus one-inch range, I don't think it makes a difference. Okay. Uh, either way. Now, um, with that fell but, spear, is the two-inch range, but you can add one to wound uh, and improve the rend uh, by one if you charge. So if you charge with that fell spear. Threes by fours becomes threes by threes with two rend two damage. So that's I yeah, guess so, so it's better than the Demon Forge Blade by a rend. Right. But then there's the potent the so so averaging it out, you're gonna cause about two damage uh, for each attack on the Demon Forge bait blade, but you have the potential of causing three. That's so true. I and the Demon Forge That's Blade, if the unmodified hit rolls a six, you get a, a mortal wound on top of it. So mm-hmm. I can see that, too. Uh, and plus, mortals are always good. Yeah. Uh, plus, <laughs> um, if Archaeon is on the table, which, of course, he is a lot of time if you're playing with these guys, uh, plus one to hit for melee attacks. So they're hitting on twos with all of these things anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Now it says when you select this unit to be a part of your army, you must give it a mark, either corn, Nurgle, Slanesh, Zinch, or Undivided. Each unit could be different, right? Because you're picking it by the unit. It's not by if you pick three units, it says the unit has to be given a mark. So you could conceivably, if you take them with that 120 point battalion, you can give them all their own mark and their own circle. Just really trick them out if you wanted to. I'm not yeah. certain if there's a point to it. But you could. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if a particular chaos aura is is more attractive than the other, I mean, you you might want to put uh, Slanesh on them because of the ability to to reroll their charges. Or, like I, I said, if you're if you're doing twos to hit because you got plus one to hit, 
Twos to hit mm-hmm. re-rolling ones if you're corn? Uh-huh. Twos to hit re-rolling ones sounds <laughs> pretty sweet. I don't know. I'm not good at this game, but it sounds pretty sweet. Plus, that's within 18 inches. Plus, if it's the general, it's plus one to wound rolls. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that- then you're twos to hit, twos to wound with that Demon Forge blade. And with the ensorcelled weapons. And twos by threes with the fell spear. Oh, that's, yeah. Giving them the mark of corn is not necessarily a bad idea if you just want these things to kill stuff. Um, yep. What else do they have? They also have, um, oh, if they're affected by a spell or endless spell, you can roll a dice, and on a five up, you can ignore that as well because they don't, much like Archeon, they don't play. And they also have Relentless Killers once per battle in the combat phase. After it's fought in that phase for the first time, when it's your turn to pick a unit to fight, this unit can be picked to fight a second time if it's within three inches. So once per battle, each one of these units can fight twice. I mean, if they haven't killed everything nearby already. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> oh man, I made it. No, actually I think this turn this unit's going to go with that second attack and just keep chopping away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just uh, I just like that. Okay. Um Chaos Lord on Demonic Mount. I do like his command ability. Um, yeah, so he's what if if you're going to be focused on taking uh chariots or knights, he's 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 the guy to to, to throw in with with those units mm-hmm. um so he, he can have you know his command ability he can re-roll charge rolls and add one to hit rolls for attacks uh-huh um and that's that's nothing to sneeze at no not at all and like i, said, no. I just i love that model like he's on my list as one of the things i'm t- i think he's yeah i think he's definitely you know He's on my list. So uh, he looks like that that Frank Frazetta painting, you know the oh exactly the Death Reaper, yeah. That, okay, and right there, I think you nailed it. I love that Frank Frazetta, all that Conan artwork and all that stuff. Yeah, and maybe that th- that's what what what's doing the trick for you. <laughs> these guys, exactly. That's 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 the feel. That's that's how they hit. That's how they that's how mm-hmm. they feel for me. Um. All right, so before we start going on the lists, we definitely have to talk about Bellacore. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about the War Shrine, because the War Shrine sometimes confuses me. Um, there's just a lot. It's another thing with a ton of rules. Um, mm-hmm. But let's talk about Bellacore. Um, he's got eight wounds. He's got a four-up save. He moves 12. He's got a bravery of 10. Now, he's only got the one... One weapon, six attacks, but threes by threes, one ren, two damage. So he can he can he can deal out some damage. Um, and here's his cool little rules. And then we'll go back to that whole thing about it because obviously you're going to put him in that uh, the spoiler uh, art list, right? Yeah. So after setup is complete, but before the first battle round begins, secretly pick one enemy unit on the battlefield once per battle at the start of the enemy hero phase. You can reveal what unit you picked. Until your next hero phase, your opponent must roll a die each time they attempt to cast a spell, move, charge, or attack with any weapons it's armed with. On a 1 to 4, they don't get to do that thing. 
that's not bad. I mean, it's only once per once per turn, and if they roll well, it won't affect them at all. But once again, just the ability to completely mess with your your opponent's turn at a crucial moment. Um, I'm really heavy into that whole messing with their turn thing after playing um, with the Realm Lords and just watching all the spells that can stop you from getting to use your command points or getting to move or getting to charge. Um and just watching how much it irritated my opponents. It's like, oh, that's actually really not not only powerful, but it can really throw your opponent off their game. Uh, what else can he do? If an enemy fails a battle shock test while it is within 10 inches of Bellacore, you can heal D3. Oh. Mm -hmm. So he heals D3 wounds. He's only got eight, but he heals D3 if an enemy fails a battle shock test within 10 inches of him. Okay. But he'll also heal D three mortal wounds because of his his. Uh, oh, that's right. Because he'll be in the despoilers. Because in the hero, yeah, on a four up, he heals D three more D three wounds in the hero phase anyway. On the four, so, so that's just another chance for him to to heal up. Okay. Uh, you ignore modifiers when making save rolls, so he saves on a four up period. He's basically got the ethereal rule. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also a wizard, cast and unbind two. He knows Arcane Bolt, Mystic Shield, and Enfeeble Foe, which casts on a six, pick an enemy unit with an 18 invisible, minus one for wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by that unit until your next hero phase. Oh, that's good too. Mm -hmm. so, and so he's only he's 30 points more than, than the standard Demon Prince. So, so for 30... 30 extra points, I, I think he, he he's worth uh, that 30 if you look at him. Yeah, you'd have to look at the... Demon Prince seems to have more rules, but it's, it's, it's more rules because the command ability depends on if he's... what mark he's taken. Mm -hmm. If it's Korn, Zinch, Nurgle, or Slanesh... Oh, so if you take this, if you take a demon prince as undivided, oh, you can't take him as undivided. You have to take him. The only one who's undivided is Bellacor. Is Bellacor? Okay, mm -hmm. so they have to pick one of these. So that they get more rules because they their command ability depends on which mark they have. Okay. Yep. Otherwise, um, this model. Otherwise, yeah, the mm -hmm. the move is the same. Wounds are the same. Uh. He, you know, fight, have, he have, fights first. If he charges, he gets a bonus to hit. And if he uh, if his sword unmodified is a six, you get a couple of mortals. In you do, oh so so he's like everybody else. Unmodified six to hit just does mortals and it ends. Yeah, so mm -hmm. Bellicor does have some is a bit better. His save isn't as good, but it can't be modified. So no, but and but he also gets two spells and unbinds two. So. Yeah. No, that's really good. That is really good. All right. So um, is there anything else in here that we should talk about? I mean, you're the guy who knows the list. Am I missing something? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go over every single. I know. It's, it's tempting. You know, I keep looking at this going, oh, there's so much stuff. Now, the Chaos War Shrine, is this, is this something that you – I mean, it looks cool, and it's got a bunch of rules depending on uh, – Depending on which mark it has. Um, yeah. So, 
so yeah, the Chaos War Shrine. It's oh, it's got. It's not something that I've really looked at at using. I think a lot of folks look at that and see see that as a way of of, of buffing their army, uh, because you know it, it has different things that it does depending on what what flavor you're taking. So I think what that what what, what you're really looking at is 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 a different way of 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 having an aura ability, uh, you know, buffing your army. You know, besides having your your general or heroes using command points and and doing that kind of work, so there is a few cool things though. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, it's got the six up ward save if you're within the range. For yeah. and that's for wounds or mortal wounds. That's not bad. And then you can. And if you're wholly within eighteen, then you you can get favor of whichever you know whichever. Chaos God, you you've chosen to devote devote that that war shrine to. Um, uh, well, no, I th- I think here. Wait, mm-hmm. make a prayer. Okay, so you can say the model will chant one of the. So you can chant any prayer. You can chant for the pray the favor of corn, oh, yeah. Zinch, Nurgle, or Slanesh. And what's cool here is okay, so I can give it the favor of corn and reroll charge rolls for that unit until the next hero phase, whether they're corn mm-hmm. or not. If they happen to be corn, then they can reroll hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons until so they get a bonus. So you can you can use any of the things that you need to use for that unit. If they happen to be that mark, they get an extra bonus thing. That's actually kind of cool. That seems like the I mean, there's a lot of points being spent on 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 buffs and and extra things, but it's also prayers. So if, if as long as you yeah. get your your three up. They can't be stopped. Yeah. I don't and know. So for yeah, so for 170 points, you're you're getting, uh, you know, unit that, you know, on a three up, you know, it's just making your army better. Yeah, um, reroll save rolls, reroll wound rolls, and it's not even wound rolls of one. It's reroll wound rolls for attacks made with wep- melee weapons by that unit. Reroll save rolls for that unit. Reroll hit and wound rolls. For attacks made by that unit, that's reroll charge rolls. That's really good. Wait a minute. So wait a minute. The corn one and the slanesh one are the same one. That can't be right. That I bet you that got FAQ'd. <laughs> or is it? I mean, they be both reroll charge rolls. That's what it says. Hmm. But then they all get the extra it, bonus thing too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because they're favor. Uh, if it's. Uh, Undivided, reroll hit and wound rolls, and if they are undivided, they can also reroll charge rolls. That's just a lot of stuff to do. That's I kind of like this idea of this war shrine. Yeah. All right. So let's let's talk lists. All right. Okay. Let's do that and sort of kind of go through that, and then we're going to wrap up because we're hitting well over three hours here, and people are going to start to if they're still listening, I'm congratulating them as it is. Um. Okay, I wrote a Ravagers list. Can I run it past you? Tell me what you think of it. Yeah, let's go for it. All right, so I got um, I took the uh, Ruinbringer Warband, which is uh, so that's a that's a War Scroll Battalion in here. Let me read that real quick just to point out what I've got because I did take this is a Ruin. Um, 
Uh, so what, I pick a Chaos Lord on Demonic Mount or a Lord on Karkadrak. I'll let you guess which one I picked. Uh, you, <laughs> I'm guessing you took the, demo, the Demonic Mount. Yep, and four to eight units in any combination. Chaos Knights, Chaos Chariots, Gorbeast Chariots, or Chaos Marauder Horsemen. Uh, every time a unit from this battalion finishes a charge move, pick an enemy unit within one inch, roll a die on a two-up. That unit takes D3 mortals. So you get mm-hmm. imp- impact hits, basically. So I have yeah. the Lord on the Demonic Mount. Uh, uh, one, and I, I actually took the full eight. Uh, one, two, three. Yeah, I took eight units. So I tried to get the whole. <laughs> I tried to get the whole effect here. I got um, two units of one Gorbeast Chariot each. I got three units of five Chaos Knights, three units of five Marauder Horsemen, a Chaos War Shrine, and a Chaos Sorcerer Lord on a Manticore. And I think, if I remember correctly, that brought me... I may have had to make an adjustment to that. That might be an illegal list. I think I might have had to cut off like one unit of Marauder Horsemen or something to make it work. Uh, I, I... I I wrote this down like four different times. Let me make sure the points are legal, and I'm not just talking out of my butt here. Hold on. Uh, This makes for great radio. What an idiot. Um, Let me see if I did this right. 300. Nope, that's a legal list. That's 1850 right there um, with what I just listed. uh, According to my numbers here, if I didn't screw them up. And uh, if that's right, then I think... Oh, and that's I think I took like the Eightfold Doom Sigil just to have that. So it's something around there, but it's basically almost all... I mean, it's, it's just Chaos Knights, and I took some Marauder Horsemen just to fill out the list. Because you can get the five... I mean, they're literally half the points of the Chaos Knights. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could have just... Uh, I think I could have taken two more units of five Chaos Knights and cut out all the horsemen, and then I would have lost some small thing. But this is just... Uh, I mean, it's everybody's on... Everybody's moving fast and hitting hard. And that was my whole... That was the list that I was taking. I'm like, this looks like fun to me. That Lord on a Mount, everybody's... Everybody's, uh, you know, I've got two Gorbeast chariots charging in. I've got everybody's coming in on big uh, horses, and then I'm, I've got my Marauder horsemen just sort of riding around on the outsets, moving quick, trying to grab objectives or do whatever they have to do because they can move twelve. Um, but yeah, because the Chaos Knights just hit like a brick. Um, they only have damage one, but they, you know, they get all sorts of bonus. To get bonuses when they come in, and then that uh, that Gorby's chariot, I just like it. Yeah. So that yeah, the Chaos Knights only have you know all their attacks, the the different profiles that they have only have damage one, but you add one to the damage characteristics when they made a charge on that turn. So that's I mean if if they're causing mortals on top of causing additional damage on the charge, they're when they charge they're gonna. They're going to hit like a truck. So right, and uh, you get plus one to run and charge rolls if you've got a uh, uh, horn blower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plus one to damage and rend. 
Oh, wait a minute. So what I got the, so what I got to ask you though is is what mark chaos mark are you going to choose for your general and and for those those units of knights and chariots. And here's where I'm falling back to my completely <laughs> unoriginal and uh probably not thinking it through well enough. Um I still like the corn. Rerolling mm-hmm. hit rolls of one and adding one uh, the to the wound rolls. Um, I really because once again I'm I, I don't have a lot of these models and I'm coming in and I I I just I'm the point with these guys is to hit hard, do your D three wounds on your charge, get all your bonuses and and smash smash them. So I did pick corn for this, although okay. um, I mean I don't know maybe that's a bad idea, but that's. This is this is the list I would want to play. If I wasn't playing Archeon and a bunch of Varengard, uh, I would want this. My other option, the other list I was writing, um, was having was a Ravagers list again, but with a bunch of guys on foot. And then you would take some some Marauders because it's cheaper. But then I was taking uh, Chosen and uh, Chaos Warriors because <sighs> am I? <sighs> it just. Uh, it kind of bugs me to look at this, and I don't have the the new um, general's hand uh, the points list in front of me. So I don't know if it changed. But forty it didn't mar- change. So the, the 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 points list that's in the back of the the battle tome is is the same as the general's handbook. It, okay, they came out so close to each other that there's no difference. So forty marauders are three hundred points, whereas. Mm-hmm. 15 chaos warriors are the same 300 points it and i'm taking them anyway because you know what i'm taking them anyway because i like i love those chaos warriors but god it's kind of hard i mean i'm i'm like i said i'm going for theme i want the big armored beasties but i just it feels to me like i'm almost making a bad decision i mean they do have two wounds apiece and and if you've got shields on them, they, you know, I, I love the chaos rune shields on the on the chaos warriors on a five up. You know, they they negate mortal wounds. That's <sighs> maybe that's I mean, not that's, so bad. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, the chaos yeah, they're they're much more survivable. I just I like them so much. I just. I mean, you, yes. I mean, if I want to take hordes, with, especially with those Ravagers, bringing in all that extra stuff, take five cheap guys on foot, and there's all Marauders, and then some horsemen to run around. But man, I like just to take a big list of Chaos Warriors as a Ravagers unit instead. Mm-hmm. So what are you taking with your list for your uh, Despoilers? So for my Despoilers list, uh, what I'm looking to take is... Uh, a demon prince as a general, not not Bellacor, but just an unnamed demon prince. Okay, um, and and he's got a mark of Slanesh, a chaos lord on foot, and a sorcerer lord on foot. Both of them with mark of Slanesh. Okay. Then I've got uh, a unit of ten chaos knights uh, with cursed lances. They're taking mark of Slanesh. I've got a unit of 30 Chaos Warriors, also Slanesh, with halberds and the rune shields. 
Whew, you're doing it right. All the Chaos Warriors. I like this. I like hearing. <laughs> I like hearing this. Then, I, then I've got a unit of fifteen warriors. Uh, they've got Mark of Corn and a pair of hand weapons. Uh, so they've got no shield, but uh, they're going to hit harder. I've got a unit of ten Chaos Chosen, uh, Mark of Corn, and I'm going to take the Darkfire Demon Rift, Endless Spell. And then I'm going to ally in a Bloodstoker who is going to stick to those unit uh, that that unit of fifteen Chaos war- Warriors uh, that are marked with corn to to whip them up into a frenzy. So so my idea is to have those fifteen Chaos Warriors uh, with a Bloodstoker kind of be that one uh, distraction. Piece. Okay. They 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 go out and they're going to hit pretty hard. Um, but then, you know, the rest of the units are going to make up the, the main body of that army. Interesting. And, uh, so this yeah. is the spoiler list though, right? Yeah. So all that talk of how so, Bellacor is so awesome and we don't take Bellacor. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, is, is that because you want to take the Slanesh? Is that because the, that Slanesh theme that's running through there? Is that why? Uh, yeah, it's 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 because I want to have that demon prince take that mark of Slanesh so that he can give that buff the the Slanesh buffs out to okay to to the main body of the army. You know, idea is to kind of have him you know be surrounded by you know, all these dudes and lots of yeah. warriors though, and no monsters though. Yeah, no monsters. You know, I I, I see you're, you're having the same to, problem to look I into. Have. Yeah, you know, I, I I looked into to to grabbing those monsters. I looked at the slaughter brute, and, and you know, he looks he looks scary, but you know, he's got twelve wounds, a four up save. I'm I think I'm gonna have a hard time keeping him alive. So or the soul grinder. Plus, they're they're healing back those D three wounds. Yeah. Yeah. See, you're having the I same know, problem I had. This is I was like <laughs> I I tried to write this to spoiler list, and I'm like. A bunch of demon prints and a bunch of monsters. It sounds really cool, but mm-hmm. what am I doing with this? And I still got to have some battle. And you run line. out of this, so this the struggle with this army is you just run out of points so quick as you're writing these lists up. And you're like, where did my points go? That's a bit of a common but, struggle, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, especially with with this army, unless unless you're going, uh, you know, pure marauders, you're. Yeah, you're you're gonna have a hard time getting a lot of bodies, and and I look at putting together a list. It's gonna put enough wounds on the table so that I'm not swept off the table, you know, in in two turns. So. Oh no, I I hear that. Mm-hmm. I like I said, this is this was my whole problem with writing this to spoiler list is how do I how do I do this exact thing? How do I get? How do I get my? Uh, you know the demon princes and the monsters and the stuff that does all of the literal coolest things, and then I run out of points and I, I, I who am I? What am I? Ta- then I'm just going to take some marauders just to fill out just because they're cheap to bulk out the. Uh, you know, it's just it's uh, it's it's I, I yeah I you so you had the same problem I had so I don't feel bad. 
but but I also looked at, at as as I was doing this build with the despoilers. I like the ability to 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 keep that demon prince alive. You know that you know to try to it, 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 you know it gives you opportunities to heal him up. Uh, it gives you opportunities to protect him by putting him next to terrain. And you know I I think that that you know ability is pretty goofy, but you could basically you know. If, if you've got uh, an army that you're up against that you're afraid that he's going to get shot off the table, uh, try to use that, that ability to, to affect the terrain around him to keep him from getting uh, shot up. Uh-huh. And then, you know, if you look at the command abilities that the, the, the Lord on foot and, the, you know, what the sorcerer on foot can do, uh, you know, the, the spurred by the God command abilities that mm-hmm. command ability that, that the, the castle or on foot has, uh, let's see. So you use it in the command phase. If you do pick one slave to darkness unit within 12 inches. And after that unit has fought for the first time, you get to, you know, have them fight a second time. If there's, as long as there's units within three. So, um, yeah, just, you know, that little guy, that, that Lord who, he doesn't look like he's the big threat. He can have that that big uh, unit of of chaos warriors that's surrounding him with with the halberds attack twice. Which I I'd love to get that to go off. Gotcha. I see that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you, if you can get the the oracular visions spell or, or ability for the the sorcerer lord uh let's see here in the hero phase you pick one slaves to darkness unit within 12 inches and they get to re-roll uh save rolls for attacks that target that unit so you know you keep them from from uh from dying it's pretty good yeah all right well um i i think that uh, I think that's about yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah. We seem to have covered pretty much everything that we're going to cover here. So overall, this is this. There's a lot of stuff here you can do, and we haven't. I mean, we've only scraped on the things that we sort of liked and the things we wanted to build. Um, mm-hmm. You can't just build that crazy. Ravagers list with five or six lords on foot, and then just if, if you want to paint a couple hundred marauders and marauder horsemen, <laughs> um, I mean, because you can, right? I mean, you can't. I, I think that's what's preventing me from going down that route. But I mean, for twenty uh, for one hundred and fifty points, you could literally take about eight hundred points of heroes, or even, and then let's see. Uh, forty for three hundred. You, if you, if you're just gonna be stupid, you can take eight hundred points of heroes, and then a hundred and sixty marauders, and that would be your two grand. And then, and oh, and let's not forget because you're gonna put that in a ravagers list. Every turn, you get to bring in uh, five marauder horsemen on the side, so you're gonna have a hundred and. Uh, yeah, you're going to have all those marauders, and then you're going to bring in another 25 horsemen as you as you pop around who the general is, because why not? You know, 
play it, play it, how yeah. you can play it. Um, and I think I think that's your 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 most viable co- competitive option is to go with that Ravagers list and just put as many that's a lot uh, just a bodies lot on the table as you can. Yeah, it is. And um, I mean, I suppose you. I'm, and I'm uh, just let me uh, let me look in here because now I'm curious. And there's there's so much in this list that even as I'm prepping for the show, I'm like, oh, you know, I know there's things I'm forgetting. But there's got to be. Uh, bu- 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 nope, that's okay. Yeah. So I can take for each enemy. All right, that's not all that ex- exciting. Um. Uh, the the well, really, honestly, the the special the, the battalions for all of those guys doesn't give them anything really super special. As I was looking at, I was trying to think if there's something really cool, but the God's Wrath War Band, um, the War Shrine, you take a War Shrine with it and um, roll a die for each. In your hero phase, pick a War Shrine, roll a die for each enemy unit within 24 inches. On a six, they take D3 mortals. Not all that great. Um, in your hero phase, you can fight with a hero if you take the God's Horn Champions. So it could be something cool. Um, and then the other war bands, eight mortal slaves to darkness. If you if you're gonna pick a if you're gonna pick a a, a god to go with, um, you know you could pick one of these battalions, uh, especially for the, with with all those uh, marauders because they get a lot of uh, a lot of attacks. If you make them corn, uh, the blood marked war band, and you're taking all of those corn guys in your all those uh, marauders as corn. If a hero, mm-hmm. oh, if a hero slays enemy models, any enemy models in the combat phase, pick one unit from the same battalion, wholly within twelve inches. Add one of the attack characteristics of their melee weapons. Uh, the same unit cannot benefit from this ability more than once per battle round. Yeah. So okay. So. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's just different things. There's nothing really. I mean, the 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 battalions. I mean, I I could be misreading it because I'm just kind of looking over it. Um, I'm I'm certain that there's some some way to pick one of these things, and it you know, suddenly it multiplies and makes it even crazier. But if they're already getting extra attacks because of the size of their unit, and then the hero kills something, and suddenly they're getting even more attacks, that could turn that into a bit of a blender, especially when you got a unit of forty of them, and you're spreading them out all over the place. That, I mean, that could be pretty good. I don't know. It just feels like that's a that's that's kind of a that's kind of a bizarre list. I mean, it feels a bit glass cannony because they're, um, they're they don't have a huge save for those marauders, which is why I like the chaos warriors. It just, I mean, but it, there's there's just so many things you can do, and I know we haven't even touched on it because there's like ten separate. There's a there's an entry for each one of the warcry war bands. If you want to play some weird little thing, it, whatever flavor you want to play, this book can play it, and I think that's what it comes down to is. Mm-hmm. If you're you into see a it, lot of flexibility, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's going to play your particular. There's so many different play styles in here that you can you can kind of do whatever you want. It's a fun book. It's a really fun book. Um, it it gets me excited um, for this, and I I I I don't I don't really generally play chaos. So for me, that that was pretty cool. It got me pretty uh, pretty wound up um, with 
just all that idea of all that black steel riding on horse foot, <laughs> shaking the ground as it's riding towards people. So, all right, I'll shut up now. We are definitely done. Um, Jake, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking, um, talking Slaves of Darkness with me. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, hey, it's my pleasure. And Lindsay thanks you too because she was she didn't prep at all for this. So if you hadn't come on, she would have had nothing to add. I would have been all by myself. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, folks, thank you so much for listening. And um, like I said, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping next episode we're going to cover at, uh, the lore and war probably for this new Slanesh army. I know Slanesh and Daughters of Cain are both coming out and they'll probably be the next two episodes because um, it's two new battle tomes and I'm, I'm dying to get into both of them but the Slanesh one is just, I've seen the models for that and I'm really kind of super interested in that one so I think we're going to go for that next. Um, yeah, and so okay, before we go I do want to do one last thing and that's thank those Patreon sponsors again. Because as Big Jake can tell you, the Patreon sponsors are the guys that 1% who are keeping the show possible. And they are awesome. And that does include our associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Big Jake. Thanks again, Jake. Uh, our executive producers, Colin Miller and Alex Graham. Thank you all for being part of that 1%. And um, folks, until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure.